In a world haunted by tourists and crippled by mass transit delays, where the outlook is bleak and creativity has been sapped, two artists will unite their passion and dare to strip away the bullshit and talk about movies. Movies in the buff. of elements making him a tough little son of a bitch and you let him in i was obeying a direct order remember ash when dallas and kane are off the ship i'm senior officer oh yes i forgot you also forgot the science division's basic quarantine law no that i didn't forget oh i see you just broke it huh look what would you have done with kane Hmm? You know, his only chance of survival was to get him in here. Unfortunately, by uh, breaking quarantine, you risk everybody's life. Maybe I should have left him outside. Maybe I've jeopardized the rest of us, but it was a risk I was willing to take. It's a pretty big risk for a science officer. It's uh, not exactly out of the manual, is it? I do take my responsibilities as seriously as you, you know. You do your job, and let me do mine, yes? All right, welcome to our new month of Movies in the Buff, where we are doing a first. An act like a true, like, jump horror movie. Yeah. Space horror movie. Jaws uh, in space. Space, 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 <laughs> space. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am excited to do all of these movies, and I'm going to be watching more of them uh, than we are actually doing, just because it's been a while since I've seen the ones that we're not doing as well. So this will be Great. fun. But yeah, we are doing the Alien movies this month, starting with Alien today. Next week, Aliens. The next week is Alien Cubed. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. And then we're going to jump, uh, we're going to skip Alien Resurrection and jump to Prometheus, uh, which will be fun. So uh, this is exciting. Uh Number one, new month. I got a new whiskey. Brett, what's what's your whiskey sitch this week, this month? Uh, so I I haven't decided. I was very indecisive today. Okay. Um, surprise. Uh, so I'm going to do at least one more week of my round table. Um, and then, then I might choose a bottle to stick with for the rest of the month, uh, considering we're doing four movies. Um, but today I'm doing a whiskey we've actually had on this podcast and I've had many times in the past. 
that I really love. It's Clyde Mays bourbon. Clyde Mays. Uh, which is an Alabama whiskey. Uh, it's a delightful, refreshing treat um, that you and I once consumed an entire bottle of in a single night. Yes, we did. <laughs> Clyde Mays. And we both remember. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. That was, ag- that was aggressive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah our livers loved it. Um, yeah. Yes. So that's what I'm drinking. That's great. I, uh, I was at the liquor store for a while and I was like, I want to do something different, but because we're doing alien. And so I've, I got sold on the, uh, marketing of this bottle. It's a Colorado whiskey. It's called mythology. And, um, this is what it looks like. It's like, show me the label, bitch. Oh, um, which is, looks pretty cool. It has yeah. a, it says a, the word, it's a double gold in the San Francisco world spirits competition. So it, I think it's still going to be good. Like it's still a good mm-hmm. bottle of whiskey. Um, but what got me especially for, for this month is the description past a field of wildflowers, a Colorado prospector ventured into darkness in the mine. He heard a loud snap. Then he was falling. In a daze, in pitch black, he awoke face to face with a unique creature, part bear, part badger. Resolved that today wouldn't be his last, he rose and followed the glow of creature's eyes. The hell bear guided the explorer to the surface, then vanished back into the mind. Inspired by the spirit of Hellbear, we crafted a blend of straight rye whiskey and straight bourbon that's sharp enough to bite through your favorite cocktail, but smooth enough to be enjoyed neat. It is uh, blended and bottled by Mythology Distillery in Denver, Colorado. Uh, and bear pig. It, that's right. <laughs> half man, half bear, half pig. Half pig. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, the... Uh, the myth of the hell bear is also on this this label. If he's lucky in his darkest hour, a man will meet a hell bear and with the badger's ferocity and determination, claw his way back from despair. So um, it says your spirit is confident, resourceful, and tenacious. <laughs> so inspired by uh, the creatures that we're going to be talking about this month, uh, I'm doing some mythology whiskey. See, now the label makes more sense with half man, half bear half badger (laughs) it's man bear pig whiskey (laughs) (laughs) so i've never tried it uh i'm excited it should be good cheers dude cheers man whoa what an interesting flavor Hmm. you can definitely taste the it, it does taste like a mix of rye and bourbon um it's kind of light but also has a little bit of a bite to it but uh it it's good. Great. Interest, really interesting flavor. I don't know if I've ever tasted anything just like man bear pig whiskey. It's pretty good. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's a question for you. Did you watch the director's cut or the normal, the theatrical release? I watched release? the theatrical release. Yeah, okay. So I watched the director's cut, so this will be good. be an interesting Great. conversation. It was... Um, I kind of, at the end of the movie, I wish that I wouldn't have. I wish I would have watched the theatrical release, which is interesting. Um, But I figured, you know, with all the Snyder Cut happening right now and this push of, like, release director's cuts and all this kind of stuff, I don't know if I had ever seen the director's cut of Alien. So I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to watch the director's cut. And it wasn't that much different. Um, yeah. But uh, but there were definitely some pacing issues that I think were probably better in the theatrical cut than in the director's cut. Um, so there will be a couple scenes that I will have in my notes that you might not and vice versa. And well, th- there will be scenes that you have that are should be in my notes, too, but are also not in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. What's also interesting is on the the 4K movie or whatever that I that I had. It was probably the same with the one that you bought, but there was a choice. I'm, I have never seen this before. There was a choice to play the movie with a remastered score conducted by Jerry Goldsmith. Because apparently, Lionel Ridley Newman, Scott, what? Lionel Newman conducted the original score. He conducted it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, the score was written by or composed by Jerry Goldsmith. Smith. Yeah. Yes. Um, in the post-production, Ridley Scott uh, took out large chunks of Jerry Goldsmith's original score and input like Mozart and other or just silence. Yeah. Um, and so. I, I ended up not listening with the the Jerry Goldsmith like full score but I thought that was just like interesting that I never seen yeah. that there was that option to be like and here's a different score that you could like sure. listen to cuz that would change it quite a bit especially with how atmospheric this movie is you know mm-hmm. um so anyway I just figured we'd I'd address that at the top so that uh we know where we stand yep i watched okay. the movie that came out yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the the basic difference with the director's cut was that there oh, did, were several. Go ahead. I was like, I don't want to get too far into it before we get a synopsis. Oh right. No, I won't. Yeah, we're we're almost there yet. Okay. <laughs> we're almost there yet. Great. This is gonna go great. Yeah. Um. I know the the basic difference with the director's cut was that the there were several scenes that were like deleted scenes as extras that were still like fully produced and and looked good that the fans were like oh this would be really cool the scene is great where would it go and ridley scott in 2003 i think was like all right fine i'll do another like re-release for the like 25th in or whatever it was you know mm-hmm. and um and i'll put those scenes in there but he was like honestly i was very happy with the theatrical release and he said that he cut um so that the director's cut is actually shorter by like a minute than the theatrical release. Cause he didn't want it to become this bloated, huge thing. So just with like the conversation of Ridley Scott and, and all of his various blade runners, you know, and you know, and other it, bloated it, movies. And <laughs> yeah, it's really, I almost like, I almost, so I watched this on Thursday night. I almost on Friday watched it again in the theatrical just to be like, so mm. wait, is it, you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, yes, synopsis, and then we will go. This is by Dimakoru. Okay. After a space merchant vessel receives an unknown transmission as a distress call, one of the crew is attacked by a mysterious life form, and they soon realize that its life cycle has merely begun. <laughs> that, 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 that's fine, that yeah, synopsis. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. There's a lot like this plot is is both like very minimal and also very dense at the same time. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating movie that I have a lot of opinions about. Um, yeah. Surprise. 
<laughs> Good thing um, you have a podcast. I know. Uh, yeah. So part of the lore of this movie, right, is, you know, Star Wars comes out in 1977. Um, every studio is buying up every sci-fi script on the block after that comes out. Sci-fi, they're like, what? Sci-fi can make money? Uh, and this script was sitting on 20th Century Fox's desk. Um, you know, essentially the, the elevator pitch is Jaws in space, like I alluded to in our, our intro here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Ridley Scott got attached to it after a number of other directors declined, yada, yada, yada. And all, all of this to say, you know, about the plot is that Ridley Scott came into this wanting to make just a fucking awesome alien monster movie. He just wanted to be exciting and scary and full throttled and a thriller, Um, which is really, really fascinating, especially in the context of all of the academic literature that's been written about this movie over the past 40 years. Uh, This movie is one of the most studied, um, most like overanalyzed and like broken down from psychological standpoints as well. Like, you know, we, we could, we can, you know, dabble if we want to into the, the, the different theories that get espoused about this movie. Um, but what I'm really getting at here about the plot, plot, plot thing is that Ridley Scott made a movie that he wanted to be all plot, plot, plot. And in so doing also told all the actors, essentially, I don't care what you do in this movie. <laughs> mm. He was, he, he is quoted as saying like, I was not interested in any of the backstory of the characters. I didn't care at all about who they were, where they come from and any of that. I thought I read that he provided backstories for every, for all the characters though. I, I thought I read that he had like written out backstories for each one of the characters. That's so interesting. I maybe I, the 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 interview that I that I'm referencing he explicitly was like it's my job to make the movie and wasn't interested he was more obsessed with this idea of of it being um you know these these seven plebs in space like people that just ordinary workers that exist in the time space continuum and they they have they are not remarkable you know, we can presume that they all have families or whatever, but like, there's not a, a, you know, a hero among them, so to speak. There's not Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's not like the super smart guy. And then there's not like the guy who's overly aggressive and, and has like an anger issue. And you know, like we steer away from a lot of the tropes. Um, So who knows, but you know, to your point, to, to what you said, though, Ridley Scott is also a massive revisionist of his own his own history and has made a lot of bad movies before, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he has he is a pretty, uh, you know, he's obviously a master, but he also has a pretty inflated sense of self and ego when it comes mm-hmm. to his his own his own work. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. So we, I'm sure he's told his sto- these stories a number of times. Yeah. It was also the 70s and he was probably on drugs. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, and the the I think Dan O'Bannon, I think that's who I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, cuz he's he did the screenplay and story. Mm-hmm. He had history in writing for horror movies and so this really is like as soon as this movie ended, I think I wrote like 
this is like Star Wars meets 2001 A Space Odyssey meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's really yeah. what it is. You know, it's yeah, I, the, 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 I mean, you, you of all people, you know, will be the one to correct me on the Stanley Kubrick, but, but I know for a fact, so many like almost like exact shots from 2001 A Space Odyssey yeah. uh, in this movie. And then also just the way that they shoot the, the crew and, and whatnot. There are a lot of Star Wars-esque feelings to it with the guns and the, like, this kind of thing. I mean, this ship looks like the fucking Millennium Falcon. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, and and you're, you're totally right. And he mentions it specifically, too, when he talks about this movie of being, of seeing Star Wars in 1977 and, you know, about to do, uh, uh, you know, another French romance piece. Um not no, not even that. He was going to do Tristan and Isolde, mm. um, and then he saw that George Lucas got to do that, and he's like, "That's fucking cool. Mm. I would rather be doing that <laughs> if somebody <laughs> pays me money to make movies." Right. Uh, and then when he got the script, and and he said, he, you know, he it was so visual, and he saw so much of it, you know, immediately he was like, "I." He wanted to make the antithesis of Star Wars. He wanted to make blue collar star wars with normal people no fucking space princesses Mm -hmm. um and then wanted to then you know amp it up and make it a horror movie and then also then you know wanted to take some you know he he, i think he describes star wars as like that's your fairy tale in space stanley kubrick did what it's actually like to be in space and i want to fall essentially somewhere in between Mm -hmm. um so yeah, Which is it's, so true because he then, in doing so, creates a fucking legend. Yeah, in Ripley. You know, yeah. the character of and, Ripley, and in this movie, like yeah, oh for sure. The I mean the 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 xenomorph alien is is one of the most iconic horror creatures of all time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's you know let's let's get into this a little bit because that's what that's one of the things I love about this movie and what struck me this time through. I mean, I had seen this movie like you had said as well several times, you know, and so I kind of knew where to go with this movie. And I think I'm probably more. That being said, I'm more and most familiar with probably Aliens. I've seen mm. that one more. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if it was just like a product of that's the one that was on TV more because it's more like Terminator in space. Because the uh, big yellow spacewalker thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, yeah, it's just a it. We'll get that next week. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so though I had seen this several times, there was enough in this movie that I that I didn't remember. Um, and but the, one of the things that really hit me with this movie is is I mentioned it earlier, but the just atmosphere of it, you know, yeah, the, man. The the sound design of this movie is fantastic, yeah. um, both with music and with foley and sound effects and silence and um and it starts right at the beginning with the credits where just this opening shot of this like Saturn esque type planet or whatever it is, uh and it's just this sort of like it, it kind of reminds me of you know that what what Kubrick does with with The Shining and what Kubrick does with with two thousand one as well. Um, where they're just sort of like sounds, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and just like a line appears, like what's that? And then another line appears somewhere else and then an angle appears and like, it takes fucking five minutes for you to just spell the word alien, uh, which is cool. Like, I don't mean that as a bad thing. I like, yeah. it just like instantly you're like, okay, I'm in for something different. And 
I'm already creeped out a little bit, you know? Um, yeah, totally. It's, it's the, the whole movie is, is a vibe, man. Like, yeah. Um, the, the entire atmosphere quality, like moving even on from the intro, you know, we, we have this, this kind of passive observer operating the camera, Mm -hmm. uh, as we work our way through the ship and, you know, it varies on on being silent to having like different like computer noises and things like that. We hear the you know the halogen bulbs flickering and going out and flickering back on, and um, the different like <clears throat> like doorways and things like that. The you know the sounds that those air pressure locks make, and mm-hmm. um, it's just really cool. And I really dig this opening sequence. There's I, I've mentioned the movie before. There's a, it's a trilogy, and I can't remember uh what the names of the other ones are but they're all composed by um philip glass uh the movie that i'm that i know is koyanisatsuki uh and it's this entire like atmospheric thing like essentially in a fucking submarine uh and it re- it, it it vibes in a very similar way Interesting, um yeah. and it's really 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 cool and such a great use of light and i love i love here just like i love the like how do I, like yeah like the the way that this camera works right like it's from a, a perspective that's not static we you know it's it's somebody with a camera moving through this space is what it feels like and so immediately there's like this kind of eerie quality um especially like going into this not knowing what the movie is about or whatever like one would think oh there's somebody already in the ship or something like right. that and you know when the camera then lands on all of our all of our workers our astronauts in their little sleep pods it's kind of like creepy oh yeah you're just like somebody this there is somebody that is in the ship and watching them sleep mm-hmm. um and it's mm-hmm. just that that whole intro there that takes five or six minutes or whatever is really really cool for me yeah, and someone is was quoted as saying that Ridley Scott shot 90% of this movie on his yeah. shoulders. Like it was him with a camera walking through cuz the, you know, the set design as well is so cool and the set it's decoration. Really, yeah, it's really awesome, fucking man. Fucking like, oh, it's so great. Yeah, this, uh, especially the interior, that, especially the interior of the ship is really cool. Yes, exactly. And and because of that they they, you know, didn't have room for giant dollies and and tracking sh- you know whatever. So a lot of it was him with a camera, like being able to navigate through here. And I also, I agree with this. And, and what also struck me in this opening, you know, all of what you said, a hundred percent, this like creepy again, like horror movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's someone watching you while you sleep type feeling, but also just the vast emptiness. Like you are alone, you know, like the, you know, we talk about with evil dead, like, okay, you're alone in the woods but you're on earth and any, at any point a cop could maybe drive by or a hunter could go through the woods or something. Right. But like you're fucking isolated in space. And so like he does such a great job establishing this early. Like we get the, the stereotypical like star Wars space balls shot of the long ship going by or whatever from underneath. Right. You get that. But what that serves to do is be like, okay, this is a giant ass ship. Number one. So a lot of places to hide huge ship. Number two, you are all alone. So yeah. like, you are stranded out there, you know, and, you know, the, the tagline is of the movie is is iconic, right? In space, no one can hear you scream. You know, you're like, right. Yeah, like that adds to this extra layer of horror 
where ain't nobody coming, dude. Like, <laughs> this is it, you know? Yeah. And this is you like the... Similar to what we're own. talking about with the Westerns, like this was this was it. This was the start of it. You know, this movie started this sort of like space alien, yeah, scary space horror. thriller horror genre, you know. Um, and so so many of these these tropes that we see nowadays in these in these horror movies, especially, you know, in deal even like the action horror with like Independence Day. I mean, those aliens are specifically based on these on this, you know, on this alien. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this whole opening is really cool. And I'll tell you what, I I am a sucker for like 70s spaceships with just all the like blinking buttons and lights and just like the beep boop beeps and <laughs> It looks so cool and also so like, de- I don't know, geefy. Like, that's not a word, but I call it I say <laughs> geefy, like goofy, dork, dweeb, like kind of like, okay. you know, that's my made up word for that kind of like, look at all these buttons. We're futuristic, you know. Sure, sure, um, sure. But it's it like it, it fits with that whole with that whole genre. And, um, you know, and. You know, we mentioned already, already, but the 4K thing, this movie looked fucking incredible in 4K HDR. Like, I was blown away. It is sharp. It was really good. And I, what like, if I were to just, like, walk in. Don't use CGI. I'm telling you, man, it's so true. If if, If I was to just walk into a room and someone, like, had a random shot of that movie in 4K... I would think that this was filmed and shot like 20 years later. Yeah. You know, if, if even at not least. like at least, right. Like yeah. I, I was, I was really shocked at how, at how good it looked. And it really like allowed me to just like zoom really, in. And it's really immersive. There. Yeah, man. Woo! Not good. It's really immersive. Cause you can like, you get all of like the texture of, of everything. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the advantage of having more pixels, right? Is that there's literally more information on the screen, and so all of the chairs, all of the fabrics, all of the plastics, all of the metals, all of you know everything has more texture to it, and it just it just pops. It's so it look it the movie looks awesome. Yeah, so worth it. As soon as I turned on, I was like, okay, this was worth getting in 4K, like without yeah. a doubt, without a doubt. And it also serves because so much of this movie deals with some incredible lighting and shadows and mist and fog and reflection off of surfaces and whatnot that well, a yeah, lot of that fits in that as well, using that eight, that 4K and then the addition of HDR with the depth of these colors too. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the things they do to help that is in this movie, they actually, so they, you know, we obviously see a bunch of fog and smoke effects throughout, um, but the entire set was actually filled with just a thin layer of smoke um, that doesn't show up on the camera, but it just adds that kind of like texture to the air, kind of like, you know, kind of like when there's been like an early morning fog and the remnants of it still exist where you're like, I normally can see farther than I can right now. Yeah. Um, But this, you know, it, it adds to this like, I don't know, man. Like it, it, it's like a low, it's like a lo-fi vibe. Like, the, yeah, like totally. You know, it it feels like a, a kind of like a hazy den in this this um, this spaceship, right? Like if they if they, if Jimi Hendrix was playing, it wouldn't feel out of place, mm-hmm. Uh, um, mm-hmm. even though we're however many however many years in the future, or whatever, right? Yeah, right. Uh, 
and yeah, so I, I just, I love that choice to like quite literally give the air in this cabin texture by mm-hmm. just giving, you know, giving that smoke and the, the, the air something to glom onto a little bit. It just gives it that kind of like grainy, viscous quality. Um, Which becomes so important when we're dealing with later with, you know, this alien creature yeah. that, you know, has spit and acid and grimy and you know like that type of like you said viscous is so true and so it's such it puts you in right from the beginning which is so cool and when they then like yeah when that pod opens and the shot of the pods is really cool um and it's just like great composition you know like having the four pods open up and um you know it's the first shot that really reminds me of of 2001 a space odyssey just you know that type of white all of a sudden or not it's not white it's cream you know but that that big contrast of like oh here's life now you know humans are are waking up or whatever um is and it's so it's very silly and whatnot but they you know the the two women in the movie sigourney reaver and veronica cartwright had to have tape uh, around their nipples only um because they were the studios were worried about different countries and nudity mm. which was like great then just have them wear a shirt like everyone else is wearing <laughs> like why do we even need that um but that's beside the point i just wanted to bring that up um okay so then yeah then they all wake up and we just sort of like get to start to see this like humans living you know just like joking around and eating and you know yeah yeah it's to be honest like it's the first kind of indication of one of the readings of this movie which is just a workplace drama like that's like you can totally read this movie in that way like the like especially the inner the character to character interactions are all common workplace human reactions you know you have you have a boss that that doesn't you know respect his subordinates or doesn't respect females you have somebody who thinks he's smarter than everybody else you have somebody that always wants to work by the you know the letter of the law you have the the person that always is going to fall in line you have the rebel who always wants to explore by himself and you know push things to the you know the boundaries and like there's there's a really interesting reading here about just like it, you know literal human dynamics completely you know not even talking or referencing the alien in this movie <laughs> yeah right right yeah and i it's love so true. i i yeah i love this you know this movie is the reason that this movie is a masterpiece is all is all because of its pace and the way that it just ratchets up over time and it doesn't ever let up um so from from start to finish and and so here we have you know we've taken five minutes to even get to the humans and open their pods and now we're meandering about and you know what's another great like design choice and and kind of going back to the blue color thing i was talking about earlier like not having these people in like sleek star suits and shit like that like i mean ripley's wearing chucks for god's sakes like yeah uh, You know, it's just people at their job and their job just so happens to be towing shit in space um, because it's the future. Like, that's just what their job is, uh, is really, really fascinating. And so I I love this. Yeah, I love the mundane 
about this and and how we slowly build you know they're having the meal and then they all go off and start doing their own jobs and um you know i don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself but like or ahead of, ahead of you even but just like <laughs> Sorry, i don't want to get too far ahead of myself or, or even you. you even but <laughs> no no but, go you know, for they, it I, I move pretty quickly through this so go for it yeah yeah, yeah. they you know we're everybody's going about their business uh, Harry Dean Stanton and and the guy that plays Parker, um, you know, go to their, you know, their respective positions down under, you know, as the mechanics or whatever, yeah, and right. like have their own little <laughs> vaudevillian sideshow down there. Um, and, you know, as we start getting acclimatized to what's going on in the ship, because again, we don't really know, right? We know that they're pulling freight and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but through this inter- interaction with with Tom Skerritt and Ripley um, and John Ford's character, um, not John Ford's character. <laughs> John Hurt. John Hurt's character. Uh, <laughs> very different people. Uh, John Hurt's character, like, we start to realize, okay, like, they've been asleep for a while and they've been awoken and they think they're close to home because that's how the problem, like, that was how it was supposed to to work. And then we learn very quickly that they can't get a ping and something is weird. And, Oh, we're, we haven't even gone halfway to home yet. Right. Um, and mother, the ship's infrastructure, uh, has awoken them because they got a ping from an alien life form or, or a A life form. Yeah. A ship, a distress Um, signal. And it's, it's, it's a remarkable build where you're just like, Oh, something is awry, but they're not panicking yet. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would be panicked. They seem okay. This is just this is a possibility that they had considered when they when when they took this job, right? And it's probably happened before on other jobs that they've been on, right? And Maybe, it's been a red you know. it's been a red herring or something like that. But yeah, yeah. right, yeah, totally. And they, you know, the, the, the sort of like how Tom Skerritt just is underplayed. Like he's like the boss, like you said, workplace drama, like the boss in office space. He's like, yeah, we're just going to have to it'd be great if we could just like go there and do the thing. And that's what we're going to do. You know, where you're yeah. used to like Captain Kirk or, you know, uh, uh, Han Solo. And he's just like big, energetic, like captain. He's like, no, 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 man. Like we just woke up and we're going to do this thing now. And I'm the boss. So you got to have to kind of do what I say, you know? Um, yeah. And if you don't <laughs> like, we don't get paid. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's so true, man. This this whole, like, you know, it, it, the movie starts here and it just continues this vice grip, just like slowly pressing on you over and over. And this is like the first thing that we get where we're like, oh, so there's a just there's something off. All right. There's now I'm adding just a little more layer to that, like uncomfortable, like, OK, something's weird. Something's yeah. weird here. Um, so they get to the you know, they they you know, there's a it's a repeating thing of 12, um, you know. Uh, beeps or whatever in the message that they're trying SOS. to decipher. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, and they, you know, they on that one they're like land on the planet. Is that yeah, good? Me there? too. Yeah. yeah. Just the like the model work that they're yeah. using here is is Miniatures, great. But yeah. 
the yeah the miniatures thank you the and the uh the like i love the sound design again of this whole next like i don't know if it's an act or a sequence from like here through the rest of the the on the planet scene or whatever where it's like you know there's buttons and beeping and it's chaotic and it's like and also like you know that you know you see all the lights through the like landing gear i mean it's such a really like it's exciting in a certain way but like gritty exciting not like woohoo exciting it's like oh man this is like it's it's that like realness to it of like <laughs> yeah we're like shaking like crazy and this planet is is nutso we don't know where we're landing and uh it's it's really cool between the wind and then the buttons and the clicking and the screaming and the you know it's just great um and and man the lighting in this in the cockpit um as well as contrasted with that like foggy dark you know almost like monochronistic is that right monochromatic Um, monochromatic thank you (laughs) (laughs) crom is color cron is time yeah right yes crom the the crom one the first one monochromatic Uh, yeah the monochromatic scale of just like basically black and white, uh, you know, it's grays. black, it's the, all grays. Yeah, and that's all it is, you know, which is really, which is really cool. Um, yeah. All right. And then they go out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I do love, I do love the little bit though, that we get from, you know, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern downstairs. Um, that, that, you know, they land, the the hull gets breached by some of some rocky whatever on the planet and you know everybody in the in the 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 bridge is just like you know what's happening blah 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 blah, blah. and you know they're like oh well we got a bridge you know how long how long does you know how long do you think it's going to take uh tell them 17 hours 25 hours (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and then ripley's like i'm coming down there and then parker just like just kind of shrugs and he goes, what the hell is she going to do? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And it's just this, it, it's, it's this start. And the only reason I bring it up too is like, yeah, it's a, it's a funny moment, but it's also this start of, you know, this, this kind of like gender construct on this ship of like, people don't respect Ripley primarily, you know, primarily because she's a woman and like, you know, n- n- notorious, sorry, stutters coming back. Um, notoriously in this movie, Ripley was written as gender neutral. Like it was just Ripley. There was never a mention of, of any sort of gender identification whatsoever. Um, and it wasn't until they, they, you know, that this screenwriter, Dan O'Bannon, like a few weeks prior to, to starting the production of this movie changed it and firmly put it in, in the realm of, of a female character, uh, which was originally going to be offered to Meryl Streep. I read that. Um, and right? then her husband died, John Cazal. Yeah, John Cazali, right. Mm-hmm. Um and the, you know, then then you know the, the apocryphal story is that Warren Beatty saw Sigourney Weaver off Broadway and was like, Hey, you should hire this one. Uh and re- you know, they did. Uh mm-hmm. and here we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sigourney Weaver has made a career out of making sci-fi movies. Well, and rightly so. I mean, before we continue onward, like since we're talking about it, I mean, this was the start. I mean, to see to have that strong 
female character that like talks to men that way and and you know and doesn't take shit and is like the hero and the one that's like the one you want to be and the one that survives and you know yeah um directly contrasted with with veronica cartwright who at one point is like crying and sobbing and wanting to leave and ripley's like fuck off grow some balls we gotta be here and we're not gonna do that shit we're just gonna do this you know right um so i just say i'm so glad that they did that because how awesome that we get this you know like i think sigourney we was like i'll gladly do ripley at any time <laughs> like absolutely I love yeah and like you know sigourney weaver has gone on to say like how much of a struggle it was in the sequels to keep that quality about Ripley because they knew that they were writing for a woman and prejudices bleed into the script in that way. And Mm -hmm. the thing is here is that when they decided that she was a woman, they didn't edit the script. There was there like, (laughs) there was no mention of her being a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, obviously it comes off in the performances, but it comes off in a very true way. Like, you know, later on we get that scene with Tom Skerritt in the hallway who called, you know, he goes, dear like don't bug me or don't you know what are you what do you want about or whatever he says like um and you're just like oh yuck yeah yuck yeah um but this is one of those first moments where you get the you get the the kind of uh the sense that the rest of the male crew at the very least is just like wait this woman's out of her place like who what is does she really have to like butt her nose into every little fucking thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I know what I'm doing. Yada, yada, yada. Um, and we get that from a lot of the characters. Uh, and it's just, this is that, that, that first instance where we're like, ah, so she's facing gender dynamics as well. You know, right. gen, you know, gender politics and whatnot. Um, right. So, um, but I do love as they're, you know, you mentioned them opening the hatch and walking onto the planet, right? And we get that incredible windscape yeah. of of the 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 atmosphere of the planet just rushing by them. Um, and what's so fascinating is how they juxtapose it against Ian Holmes' character in his fucking, you know, Darth Sidious chair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, as he like, you know, is it's very silent in his room, and he's like, you hear the little mechanical features of his chair as he moves through the through the space but you know we get quick smash cuts back to the planet and it's just this howling tornadic wind Mm -hmm. um and it's 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 so great it's so great it's such it's such a great stylistic choice oh yeah and it also like serves for the you know for the horror element of this thing to like just always keep you thrown off a little bit you know, we talked about an evil dead, right? Like just having the camera upside down for a while, it just throws you off, you know? Um, and, and this, the, they utilize the aural landscape to throw you off, you know, in addition to two certain different camera angles that they use, uh, later on. Yeah. Yeah. I like the design of the suit too, where you get that little, like, out the top of the, yeah. the head where it's like the gas is being released out the top of the suit. That's cool. It's just like sci-fi yay. Creative sci-fi shit. Like, yeah. Cool. Well, and like you have to remember too, like, you know, the U S this movie is coming on the back of, of 10 years of Apollo missions. You know, they only had landed on the moon 10 years prior to the, the coming of this movie coming out. Yeah, right. Um, And so space is very like, 
the idea of space is very much at the forefront of the of the American conscious at this point, you know, despite the fact that Ridley Scott is is a British filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um it's on the forefront of the world. Yeah, right, right. It's it's a remarkable accomplishment, right? Like, you know, Russia's in space as well at this point, or the yeah. Soviet Union. Um and yeah, it's it's it, but it is remarkable to consider like, you know, how 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 culture is so influenced by popular events like that right like like Mm -hmm. how how you know star wars is absolutely you know the genesis of that is from from john glenn and and you know john glenn space missions and apollo space missions and just being like right like we knew that there was a world out there but now it feels within our grasp and because it feels within our grasp we can then put stories out there and it doesn't feel as fanciful. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a remarkable feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other, the other choice that I love about our, our land, our land astronauts is the, the, hel- the helmet cam, the, like the, mm-hmm. the, the first person perspective helmet cam is, is really great. Yeah. Um, because it, it kind of, adds, you know, the camera in this movie is so smooth in other places, you know, where, where it almost feels like if it, it, as, it, as if it is suspended in space mm-hmm. um, or in a zero gravity environment. And here, once they land on the planet, we get that really up and down shaky cam uh, as, as who, I forget whose perspective we're looking at. Um, yeah, it's you know, either it, Tom Skerritt's or John Hurt's. I don't remember, but, but it's one of those two. Yeah. It, or or what's her or um, Lambert, Veronica Lambert. Cartwright. Yeah, Lambert. Um, and it's yeah, it's just I don't know. It's really jolting to get yeah. that perspective after all of the camera so far has been very smooth and tight and clean, and then all of a sudden we're on this windy planet and they're jumping up. You know, they're they're walking across it, and it's just fucking jagged across your screen and like entirely desaturated and it only has like these sepia color tones to it or green color tones um it's really cool and and the the picture's cutting in and out because of the connection and it also serves as another like atmospheric thing to this movie of of the claustrophobic nature of space like you're not you're in this giant expanse of space you're on this whole giant planet now and you're also completely confined and claustrophobic. You're in a suit. You know, you see when they first, like, exit the ship and go down the planet, like, one of the astronauts like has to crane his entire body to look upward. You know, like, you turn your head and you see the side of, a, of your suit. Like, you have to turn your entire body, all that kind of thing. Uh, which, <laughs> again, adds to disorienting the, the viewer. Um, but, again, makes you just feel... This movie makes you feel claustrophobic. Yeah, man. You know, uh, which is so cool. And then they stumble upon the, you know, the ship. And the the design of that ship is really cool looking. That big old U, you know, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's it's the start of of a lot of, like, not to get too academic on this, like I alluded to earlier, but it's the start of a lot of Yonic symmetry, right? Mm. Yeah. where there are a lot of things that look like vulvas in this movie Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of feminine imagery. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is the first one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um, They, when the egg opened, when they, the the guy who did the special effects for the egg 
he the the egg originally uh you know when the egg opens it, ha it has like an x on the top right and four mm -hmm. things spring open but originally it was just one line through the top and they were like this looks pornographic we cannot put this <laughs> on the screen because this literally looks like a vagina <laughs> So they they made him add an, another line through it to make it an X when that that egg opened because it was it was too much. But oh yeah, I mean we're gonna continue this theme as we keep going onward on, on with our journey with Alien and Ripley and Mother and you know and Mothers of Species and and um, you know impregnation and you know all this kind of stuff that that continues to get explored throughout all of this. Um, I love the yeah the, the the POV of them entering the ship and we get like the like you mentioned the POV shot and then we get like just different angles just different cool angles from like beneath the walkway and then like from above and then from this angle and it's just again serves to be like there's do you guys not see there's got there's something else here right like do you not is there like an animal like what is what are we looking right. as? Like, what perspective are we looking from? There's a there's a passive observer. Yeah, 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 yeah. There there are creatures lurking somewhere that that you know, like uh, you know, and then they totally. enter into this giant ass room. With the mines of Moria. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they dug and that, too deep, and or they dug too greedily and too deep. Yeah. I mean, they kind of did in this movie, too. <laughs> <laughs> and you get that, like, really incredible, huge set with that giant-ass, like, alien thing uh, sitting in the, like, ship or whatever. And apparently, like, you know, they asked for it to be built to that size. Um, and And then Ridley Scott also used his kids as body doubles for the astronauts in that shot to make it to look make it, even yeah. larger. You know, which is just, you know, great tricks of the trade or whatever. Yeah, that's one of the first moments in the movie where I'm just like, nah. Nah, for what? In what way? Nah. Just like, I am in a I'm scary way. I'm uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Like, nah. I thought you were like, I thought you're like, because, nah, I don't believe it or whatever. Be, no, 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 no. It's, it's great. It's, it's majestic. Yeah, um, okay, okay. And, and entirely make like. The, the kind of scary thing about it, right, is is this conception that, you know, humans are so self-centered that we think we're the smartest life forms that exist. But, you know, the universe is expanding, therefore it is infinite. Uh, and so in a world of infinite possibilities, there has to be another life form that is smarter than us. Uh, that's just math. And to walk in and see this this structure that is a spaceship and it is a you know living and breathing you know veritable like it seems to be like almost like a city type thing like it's crazy mm -hmm. the the way not city but like the way that the eggs live and just like the 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 venous nature of it mm -hmm. um I did a you gesture for everybody at home <laughs> that, that describes the the like kind of sinew quality that goes from the floor around the hull and into the ceiling as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then for them to happen upon this species and you're like, holy shit, like, oh, it's just, it's just creepy. And then what's really awesome about what that Ridley Scott does here to make you kind of like, get that little skin crawl feel 
is like even though our our astronauts have said that they're that this speed that this thing is dead it's been dead for a long time um there we you know we zoom in close on its its head and face structure and like as we get just close to where we're like wait a second is there something <laughs> is there is is it like am i about to have a like there's it's twofold right from like a a a completely metatextual perspective it's like is there about to be a jump scare um and two it's like wait a second is can i see something alive inside that eye hole right. like there's there's just enough color differential and kind of like texture to it so you're like it makes you lean in and then he does a smash cut to a, an, an absolute mirrored perspective of ripley in the ship in the same position staring at her computer mm-hmm. um and it's yeah, just in like her command chair yeah and it just did like for whatever reason it's just like there's 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 some connection between between that species and ripley yeah um and whether you know whether or not that's that's going to be explored later or not we'll discuss but like it just in that moment you're just like i feel uneasy yeah (laughs) and then it's like we keep saying like they just keep adding like it's like, or, or really like maybe, maybe this is a bad example, but like playing Jenga where you're like just taking one more block out of the Jenga tower and you're like, okay, okay, no, no, now we're doing another one. Now we're doing another one. And so they, they have all of what you're saying. Cause I agree completely. And then they keep going where they're like, Hmm, it looked like his chest exploded from the inside, you know, like that, mm-hmm. that's what they say. And then, and then you go. So here's this giant advanced species and something annihilated that. Right. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, oh okay, okay. Like, yeah, you guys are fucking in for it. Like, you know, and yeah, then John Hurt, you know, is like, hey, guys, there's an opening. We should all go down there and see it. Let me jump down this really scary hole. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> except he's except he's English, so it's howl, <laughs> howl. Hey, hey, chaps! I'm gonna jump down this <laughs> this tunnel over here. He is uh, so young, and all of them are so young in this yeah, movie. Yeah, man. But, you know, looking at when I when I Im- you know imagine or think of John Hurt, I think of that like super wrinkly, you know, eyebrows, yeah, you know, grizzly voice and ah, 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 that kind of thing, and uh and it's so cool to like see him this this young uh yeah. just side note um and then so yeah he he gets down there and that's just fantastic epic awesome shot of the like lasers on the mist you know this like blue mist that's going around um and i don't know if you have heard this the apocryphal story about where they got that idea and what technology they used for that but apparently in because they're they're filming this in england and the who was filming uh working with like lasers and smoke for their show on like the studio next door or whatever nice and they were like that's fucking cool mind if we borrow those and they were like sure thing chaps and gave them the <laughs> fucking like laser here you go you can be a pinball wizard too <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what a sensation. Okay. Enough uh Tommy oh, jokes. <laughs> I love I love the who. I know, me too, man. Me too. 
Okay, so yes, that is <laughs> the story of the blue laser lights that John Hurt lands in. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I just when I when we started this podcast this evening, I never imagined that we'd be singing who songs. Yeah, an or my heart in, will go on. An hour, <laughs> like, an hour into the podcast. <laughs> Uh, that little, like, incubation chamber is fucking cool looking as well. Like, great scenic design. Just, like, where all the eggs are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know? Um, because, yeah, you get that, like, creepy blue thing. Or, like, the ship is dead. Why is there light? What is this light from? Okay, this is weird. And then you, like, see all of the egg pods and you're like, oh, shit. Right, and every time John Hurt moves his, his uh, Kane is his character's name, moves his hand through it, you get that kind of like electronic disturbance where it goes wow, kind of like a lightsaber yeah. noise. Yeah. Um, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. That and the so then he gets down and he sees like that one egg, and you see like the light through the egg, and it's translucent, and you see that there's like a creature like, moving in it's it, a life form. Like, it's organic. Yeah. Which is just like a cool idea that you have like all of these eggs that, you know, have like shells around them, basically. Like, not shells, cause they're, but they're like crusted. They're, you know, they're um, uh, calloused. They're, they're, they're eggs. Well, but they're not like, <laughs> like they're gelatinous eggs. Like they're, they're, they're not like a bird sure. egg where you have a hard, crunchy shell, calcium shell around it, you know, like. Yeah. But when you look at them, you see, like, they are not see-through. And then the heat from this being comes down, you know, and awakens it. And they just kind of, like, wake up because they can feel that, like, and you're, like, it starts to Because he touches it. He touches it. Uh Uh-huh. And you're, like, oh, shit, dude. Don't do it. Don't do it. And the egg then snaps open. Well, and even before that... You can see the egg dripping, but it's drip. The the drips uh, are dripping up off yeah. of the egg and up upward, which is such a tiny detail that you probably wouldn't notice on like the original nineteen seventy nine cut of the like in theaters because of the like. But it's so clear in four K that you like you're like oh you know you notice those li- you're able to notice those little details yeah um and the thing pops open and it is disgusting in there. Like they used sheep lungs and like real, you know, offer of, of organic matter. Like they literally went to the butcher shop and said, give me all of the awful that you were going to make your, your haggis with. Give me your trimmings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like created the egg out of that, which is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awful. Awful. Yeah. Oh my god, we get another instance of that later too with the yep. the face sucker thing, which is all made mm-hmm. of oysters, and you're just like <laughs> Yeah, and apparently with that they had to um it was horrible because it would like melt and rot under the lighting of the set. So like the smell was they had to like <laughs> film it so quickly. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I know. <laughs> So yeah, that's pretty fucking awful. Um, and and then the thing like fucking jumps out and latches onto his helmet, and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, shit. just like, <laughs> yeah, and you're like, 
good thing he's wearing a helmet. And it sw- quickly cuts to like the other two astronauts like, are you okay? And rappelling down. And then you see it melted through the helmet. Yeah. And just on his face. And you're like, yeah. oh shit, that thing ate through this, you know, quote unquote advanced space suit that we have now because we're traveling right. in space or whatever to like melt it. Like the way that the, the thing is melted. It's not cracked. It's not shattered. It's, just- it's literally <laughs> melted. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like if you were to like put a Tupperware in the oven, you know, you're just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, it's awful. So they're like, oh, shit. And we like see him like running back. And, you know, because that by this point that it has cut out the, you know, the, the communication is cut out with the with the right, 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 right. Uh, and. And we get our, uh, you know, they're they're back at the the entry bay pod or whatever. And we get our first sort of like contentious, really contentious moment where it's like the movie ending, story ending moment, right? Like captain's at the the thing, and they're and he's like, "Let us in." And Ripley's like, mm, "Negative." I don't, I don't I don't think that's a good idea. And he's like, "Let Negative us in." Negative Ghost like, Rider. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. You know the protocols, man. Like you you could be contaminated with something you could be open the damn door i'm not gonna do it and you're like cool movie over <laughs> yeah <laughs> they they uh those three people die on that planet that's who and, survives <laughs> yeah everybody except those three people uh and that's it and then and then we also get that uh, first other bit of story you know kind of hidden plot of ian holm at the and his name is Ash. Ash at the uh, at the door, just like looking, waiting, listening, looking, waiting, listening, and then opens it. Yeah, I think Ian Holm does really well in this movie. Yeah, I I kind of go back and forth. Uh, like, I yeah, I I think he does. I think largely yes. I think he does do a great job. There are, there are a few moments, especially like in the midst of the robot reveal. Mm. where or the android or whatever you want to call it um i guess it's android because it's had it theoretically sentient Mm -hmm. um where it's just like it's a little performative rough yeah yeah but yeah but by and large yeah i think he does a really good job especially leading up to that moment um you know like that's one of those huge twists in these movies, in this movie, right? right? Like right, nobody right, yeah. saw that coming in 79 or whatever. No, no, no. Um, and yeah, there's, but you definitely have, you definitely have the sense that he is, has ulterior motives at the very mm-hmm. least, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, in the chair scene that I was talking about earlier, where we're juxtaposing the wind on the planet versus him and his chair. It's just like, he's just there. Mm-hmm. Talking to mother, mm-hmm. You're like nah, is this deliverance? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, uh, and it's just it's just weird, and you get it's very unsettling, and you clearly know that something is up with that dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I do think they do a nice job of like reining it back in once these folks get into the the ship, where it's mm-hmm. like oh. Okay, something's up with him, but it's just that he is so morbidly curious with the science, right? That uh, that he's willing to 
cut some corners or whatever, you know, like yeah, his his coldness can be can be ascribed to or attributed to the fact that he's just a black and white scientist, you know, numbers guy. He doesn't care as much about the human life as he does about you know other things. Here's a question, another question for you: Do do you like it? Our characters in this movie and in this story have or have not ever encountered alien life forms in the universe. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure either. My thought sure. is that, yes, they, they are aware that there is other life out there. Because otherwise, when they were to see that, like, that ship of, you know, the, uh, of another race, species, whatever, they would have been like, we discovered that there was life in the universe. Right, you know. though Ash, I mean, Ash does say, and granted he's a robot that's been programmed by whatever company they're working for, does say, I've never seen anything like it. Anything um, like this, this, this creature, the alien creature. I think he says that when they're talking about the ship. Mm. Um, because he's like in the chair mm-hmm. watching, like they, they go, Ash, you seeing this? And oh, goes, yeah. I've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it, it seems to be the implication that this was always the plan to go and retrieve this species for a military weapon type thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think that, yeah, I think probably they are aware that other species exist. I don't know if they've ever encountered one. They they certainly have never encountered one like this. Yeah. Um. And I think I don't know the the vibe that I get. Not to be too West Coast about it. Um. But the vibe that I get is that like they've been on these missions before. They've gotten pings like this before. And either it's been red herrings or it's another human craft or something like that. Some but ancient with, civilization or something. Less, less so. For, for me, the way they respond to that initial ping, the way that Ripley is like, human? Um, and they're like, we're unsure. Yeah, right. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of like we assume as much, the idea being that, we know that there are other mining companies. We know that there are other ships. It's possible that we interacted with another route and that they need help type thing. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of strictly alien life form is foreign to these people. I think mm. is what I, is what I'm to, that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's yeah. what, that's what I've talked myself into. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> Okay, so then they're back in the thing that I love the sound effect of them cutting the helmet off. It's a really right. cool like right, be- right before that. I just, oh, I, just yeah. I really enjoy I not enjoy. I really think it's interesting tracking this like workplace dynamic thing because I kind of like glommed onto that early on. So I have a, a I kind of tracked that story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um during this open the hatch sequence, it's yes. like like you know, like you mentioned where where Ash finally presses the button. The, the interaction between Dallas and Ripley is really interesting here 
where, you know, Ripley is like, I am following protocol. And if you were in this position and I were there, you would do the same thing. Right. Um, and he's like, this man's going to die. He's like, yes. You know, Ripley's like, yes, but now we could all die. If I open that door, mm-hmm. you know, the protocol, you, this is what we're supposed to do. Um, and he says and I something just, like fuck protocol, like open the goddamn door. Essentially. Yes. And then mm-hmm. it, that's when Ash hits the button. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just one of the, again, one of those moments where you're just like, man, like that sucks. Like, yeah, that's a big decision. Right. Mm-hmm. But that coupled with everything else we've already seen and the things that come, you're like, Ripley is just not as respected. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, she's third in command or whatever it is. Mm. Um, in any event, she's subordinated regardless. Yeah. Um, and th- this reaction, particularly from Sigourney Weaver, I re- like it just really hit me in a way with just like she is trying to do the best job possible and she is trying, she's taking like, and this is yet another reading of this movie of like the utilitarian perspective of what is good for yourself versus what is good for society. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's why she goes back and tries to stop the countdown. Mm -hmm. Um, She is, she is, you you know, on our, on our grid or our fake grid, she is utilitarian good. She tries to do what is best for society, which is saving the most people, preserving the most life. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this instance, she tries to follow that protocol. And Tom Skerritt's Dallas is just like, fuck you. Let me in. You have no <laughs> idea what we just went through. <laughs> right. There's a fucking sucker on this guy's face that ate through his helmet. Let me in the goddamn door. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I just wanted to call that out because I think it's, I think, you know, having less, far less experience, I've never seen three or Prometheus. I've seen this movie twice. The most recent time was like eight years ago. I've seen Aliens once, also eight years ago. Um, so I have little context for the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, for, for your knowledge, this whole like opening sequence up to where we are now heavily plays into Prometheus. Okay. That's kind of like the conceit of Prometheus is the prequel leading up to what the fuck was up with that planet and this ship and this, these people. Like how did we arrive at this position? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. So a lot of, a lot of that lore will be explained in Prometheus. Um, I've seen Prometheus a couple of times and I think I've only, I've only seen alien covenant once when it was in theaters. And so I don't, I really honestly don't remember alien covenant at all. We're not doing that one, but that's alien covenant then takes on from Prometheus. Um, so I, I, I was sort of watching this whole opening scene with a little more, um, you know, specificity and trying to be like, okay, I know that this is going to come up again in like three weeks just kind of remember the you know the 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 weather of this planet the sure, the sure, ship sure, 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 sure. the the size for me because again I don't remember a lot of Prometheus but I was just like 
try to take yeah, but I in. but I assume Prometheus deals with the crash landing of this ship and the life form that's dead and yada 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 maybe maybe I'm not going to give too much away for you since you've never seen all it. right um I yes yeah, so then we so now we're you know like I mentioned the the sound effect of them using that like laser knife to cut out you know cut off the helmet around him is really great sound design yeah. And then here's one of our first cut uh, scenes that's in the director's cut that's not an alien. Um, everyone comes running down and, to view the, um, like, what's happening. And uh, Sigourney Weaver comes running down and, and Lambert, Veronica Cartwright, comes up and hauls off and slaps her, hits her in the face. And says, don't ever fucking do that again, essentially. Like that's the captain you let him in the ship you know and they begin like fighting uh, a little bit and the other two have to like break him up and there's some interspersed dialogue um that's clearly overlaid after the fact um while the the you know medical team is is in there of like hearing them over um in the background or whatever which again doesn't necessarily have to be in there but it adds another dynamic of like wow lambert Lambert cares about either Dallas or or Brett. No, not Brett. Uh, Kane, uh, John Hurt's character, on maybe a more than professional level. Sure. Hmm. Um. So anyway, that one's there. I like. So then we like cut the cut his you know cut the little alien sucker's knuckle or whatever, <laughs> and you learn that. They has acid for blood. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) And I just. The most powerful acid you've witnessed ever. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Eats through. And we get this really kind of cool. Like. Oh, fuck. It's going to eat through the whole. Whole hull. It's a. Hull. Hull. Whole hull of the ship. And so they go sprinting down deck by deck by deck to like seek as like. Again, it's that like it's sort of metaphor of what this what's about to come is like you can't stop this acid. You're not gonna be able to stop this thing. You know, this is a a force that is going to just like continue to to just keep hunting you and continue to come after you. Um and I just love that we we learn so much about the creature that we're about to like meet in like thirty minutes here before we even meet it or see it, you know. We learn like, oh, acid for blood. Oh, it uses, the, oh, wow, it uses like impregnation into like, the, wow. Like we learn so much about the lore of this creature before you actually see the creature, you know, which is cool. Yeah. You know, you get that great line, got a wonderful defense mechanism. You, you don't dare kill it. Totally. And you're like, <laughs> fuck, right. True. If I kill it. You know, if I shoot it, that that acid just and I'm in space everywhere. I can't yeah. yeah like what am I gonna do you know right a breach in the hole is a big deal yeah um yeah no I also I also just want to call out because like this movie is just again one of those manifest opportunities of us praising practical props yes. um and the the actual face sucker uh I I am unclear as to the the actual like 
evolution of how how we get from egg to alien um in terms of what species is what species and how what becomes what and when it does and how fast things age um but this face sucker thing the thing that popped out of the egg and mm-hmm. attached to john hurt and yep. um you know again to to go into the academia world like this idea of a reverse rape fantasy mm-hmm. of of you know it, you know positioning itself down this male's throat to impregnate him with this species um all, anyway the face sucker prop whatever that is is awesome Mm-hmm. It is. It looks so gross and cool and real and slimy and sticky, and it has all of these delicate textures. Like it's just like honestly, like serve that to me on a plate. I'd probably eat it. Um, oh, no fucking way, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, man. like, you grill it up and squeeze some lemon juice on it. It's probably fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a picky eater. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, Brett. <laughs> I like to eat alien life forms. So. All right. Good. Uh, We're learning new things. No, 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 no. But, but, but the actual, like, that actual prop, and particularly, like, the way that they suction it, or make it appear to be suctioned to his face is mm. really awesome. Yeah, man. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Well, and it's, it's a good thing you brought up too. I mean, like they originally had that latching on to Veronica Cartwright, but they were like, we, we want to have this, like you mentioned, like rape reverse rape idea of, you know, um, it you know not not latching onto a woman but latching onto a man and the like penetration of a man and making specifically making the men in the audience feel more uncomfortable as well you know that type of that type of thing and um but yeah i mean i agree completely that it's it's you know shredded latex and and they brought the thing on set apparently uh just to show what it would look like before they had added any color to it or or done any of the painting and ripley scott's like don't paint it that that's perfect so that was like the raw like latexy rubber silicone everything that's just that kind of color that's just that weird non lit non-human non natural looking yeah it's like gray brown yeah 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 definitely and like the fact that it has knuckles that just like clamp on is just insane to me you know i know it's awful it's so bad uh so nasty um and uh yeah yeah and they're just like well fuck like he's breathing through it like there's a it's inserted itself into his stomach and at that point it's like oh right that makes sense that it would then like you know birth into the stomach because the stomach has all the acid you know and like okay if it's yeah a creature that has acid for blood then that kind of environment would be you know that very hostile environment would be a a perfect place for it um you know of course like you have to like you can't go too deep into it of like 
different species of people, you know, uh, uh, that might come across this are have different face no, sizes and different for, anatomies and <laughs> No, yeah, for me it's much more of a parasitic relationship than it is Oh, for sure. Else, yeah, know. I mean it's based on a a wasp that would, you know, sting and impregnate, you know, a, a living, you know, spider or other insects with its eggs and then while it's still the insect is still living, the eggs would feed off of the living organism and then eventually kill it and burst out with a bunch oh fucking gross dude nasty um oh <laughs> so, so uh so anyway so they're like great yeah we, we can't kill it you know because he's it while it's while it has you know itself attached to him it's still keeping him alive he's in a coma state so we can't just like pull it out because we don't know what that will do to right what that relationship to, is like, right yeah to kane right um and so then here's another little director cut scene um, where I, I, I believe this is a director's cut scene. It's a really cool shot where the camera like comes into the med bay at night and uh, or not, at, not necessarily at night, but the, the lights are all off um, and you just sort of like see John Hurt. And then it does this like um, arc that follows like the sort of roundness of the room all the way across and then lands on Ian Holmes sitting at the computer studying. Mm. And then as we see him sitting there studying, we see Ripley walk into the frame. And is this in, is this in the theatrical cut? Did you, I think, I think we pick up right as Ripley walks in. Okay. So we, there is the scene where Ripley, um, kind of like, yeah, she's like, don't question my authority. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool little like sweeping shot that, that I really enjoyed, but I really like this scene with those two, you know? Um, yeah, this is, this is a scene where Sigourney Weaver really pops off the screen for me. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, she, she just is like, she really is electric in this movie. Uh, and it, you know, maybe it has a little, I no, I'm not even going to diminish that. She's just awesome. She's great in this movie. Yeah. Um, and in this scene in particular, like that kind of direct challenge to, to a man who is probably twice her senior. Um, it really like, yeah, it just it just clicks, man. Mm -hmm. She's really, really great here, and, and Ian Holt, like the repartee, is really yeah, is really great as well. Right, this kind of negotiating mm -hmm. of who is in the right, um, and, and and also the power negotiation too. Sure, yeah, you know, like in that moment, I was the captain. You know, like I had the you follow the captain's orders who's outside the ship, but that's not me. And I like the understated element of how this scene plays that it's not like you should have done this and I should have done that. And you should have like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like there was none of that. It was just yeah. like, nobody ever yells in this movie. No, no. I mean, they I mean, scream, they scream, but, <laughs> but you yeah. can't hear them. Well, uh, Sigourney Weaver does yell once. Yeah, yeah, everybody, yeah. Right. Which is powerful. But it, again, she earns that moment in right. moments like that where, where she's just like, hey, you know, like, I just wanted to talk to you. What, what were you doing over there? You know, I 
you disobeyed a direct order and what what were you thinking? And he was like, who's the captain? She's like, well, at that moment, I was the captain. He's just this really great, like, oh, <laughs> what's going to you know? Because uh, we're already like, there's something evil with this guy. He's a Sith, you know? He's yeah, I mean, we've seen he's him be Bilbo, he's Bilbo fucking Baggins. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, great. So then my next thing that I have is, is you know, after the... Yeah, they all discover that he's, you know, that the thing pops off his face. Do you have anything before that? Uh, just I, I like the tension of the scene of them. Um, you're talking about like when John Hurt wakes up, like when yeah. he's alive. Yeah, no, I, I really like the scene though. Right before that, where Ian Holmes like you should just get down here and and see. And we've right. realized we've realized that the face sucker has divested itself from from John Hurt and he's still laying in the bed and there you know Ash and Ripley and Dallas are all searching around that med bay oh yeah that's the one I'm at that's where I'm at too oh okay continue um because he's not awake yet he's he's still right that's right Mm -hmm. um and yeah that that relative that relative search um and just like where is it mm-hmm. i'm already mildly uncomfortable now i'm moderately uncomfortable right i don't like the idea that this scorpion alien fleshy wet thing is around and nobody knows where it is right and we've already <laughs> established that there are a lot of little nooks and crannies and hiding places in this whole giant ass, you know, 18 story ship or whatever. Right. And the camera angle that they start with is fantastic because the camera is just like positioned under the bed facing the door of the med bay or whatever. Right. And then they all walk in. The camera doesn't move. It's like they just set the camera on the floor and they're like, all right, go ahead. And it sits there for half the scene. And because the camera's not moving, we also can't look around either. You know what like, I mean? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. So we're like, it could be like right above my head, but Just I can't show look me up. Where it is? Yeah. 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 And then they're looking over to the left, but I can't look left. And I'm like, fuck, it could be anywhere. You know, and it's, it, they, they, any horror movie utilizes that type of, you know, camera angle and that type of thing. But it's still really effective here, you know, in this search. Cause you're just like, it, I can't see. 85% of this room, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, it's really great. It's really great. And then we just see, you know, a tail or something come down over the sh- right shoulder of somebody and then it falls and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. It's, it's over Ripley and mm-hmm. she freaks cause it lands on her shoulder. She throws it off. Dallas comes over to protect her. And then, then Ash comes over and like collects it for science. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Like, don't hurt it. Don't hurt it. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. Fucking robot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool. That's a great scene. And then you know. Yeah, that when they the, they go through and then dissect it and. It's it, like we said earlier, it's just literally like compressed, rotted oysters. And we don't need to go there again because I'm going to start gagging and we'll have to stop. 
You're the ones that wanted to like fucking serve this up and eat it, dude. Listen, it was before I know knew it was made of oysters, <laughs> which I'm okay. allergic to. <laughs> oh, okay. I see now. I see. At least Very that well, was Bolton. the last time I tried them. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll get reckless and try them again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Then I... <laughs> My, I'm going to let you lead the next part of the discussion because my next two notes are very funny and I feel like I should read them in sequence. Okay, great. Well, my next note is here it is the scene and it's like the famous, like everyone's sitting around the table, aliens about to pop out. I'm like, I, it's one of those, like, I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, I, I wait for this scene to happen. You know, what's funny about this scene is that I was first exposed to this scene through space balls. (laughs) <laughs> because I watched Spaceballs before I was allowed to watch this movie. Uh, and in Spaceballs, John Hurt is in that movie. He's yeah. in the diner. And this scene happens. And then the alien pops out and does like, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. I'm out, and like does like a song and dance number down the bar yep. or whatever in Spaceballs. Uh, and so when I first saw this movie, I was like, oh. <laughs> it's like the Weird Al thing, right? Where you're like, yeah. You know, and um, and I just love the development of the scene. You know, it's it's we're back to sort of the the beginning opening of the movie where everyone's around and everyone's like, it's fine again. And wasn't that crazy? And you're feeling good. That's great. And and we're going to crawl back into our sleep pods and it's going to be fine. Yeah. Like everything's good. Even though we saw. (laughs) Sorry. Even though we know that there's been an alien in our ship. Yeah. Right. But you're fine now and everything's good. And. And and I just, you know, the way that the camera moves around the table is really nice, you know, because it's a circular table and you just kind of, the sound design again, you just kind of hear little bits of like this conversation come in and out and then the other person come in and out and this kind of thing. And and then the camera right. just sort of like, sort of just, just stops its movement with John Hurt as the main focus, like this sort of just off center where you're like, I'm kind of. What? My eye throttled, is just drawn as to he him. Rattles some noodles. Yeah. yeah, and just sort of like drawn to him, and then all of a sudden he just starts to like just a little cough, and you're like, oh, okay, that's fine. Like he had shit down his throat, you know, whatever. Okay, it's fine. And then he continues, and then he continues, and, he and then seizing. Yeah, yeah, and they, and to they see, think, they think he's starting to seize. Right, and they you see everyone else like as well slowly start to notice what's happening like oh he coughed okay it's fun to continue my conversation oh oh shit no fucking oh shit this shit's going down throw him on the table try and get something like you said in between his teeth to provide to prevent him from breaking his jaw or his teeth or whatever um in this or biting his tongue off biting his tongue off yeah in the seizure and uh and then you see blood spurt and you're like oh shit this is this is not a seizure didn't they say that the chest exploded from the in the earlier? Oh no, <laughs> you know, and poof, fucking thing, chest explodes outward. Apparently, again, they used real animal awful for the scene, uh, and didn't tell the actors that that nope. was going to be real um, to get a real, uh, you know, real reaction from them. Um, so it was like legit, like sheep guts and cow and land, like just again, butcher nastiness that they exploded out of this thing. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, 
it's terrifying to think like that thing breeded like it you know whatever it was mixed with the thing and now it's it is you know when that little alien thing pops out it's a terrifying little shit you know absolutely yeah it's a little cheesy nowadays like looking at it because i think it's also because it's so iconic and it's so right it's been parodied a thousand times and yeah um but it's it's a great scene great crafted scene yeah absolutely yeah right yeah you you know you alluded to the the fact that none of the actors knew what was going on and and you know they shot it a few times and obviously john hurt knew what was going on um but the the reaction that that rings most true is the is the initial because i think it's the only reaction that's the initial cut of Linda Cartwright reacting to Veronica Cartwright. Veronica Cartwright. Linda. Why did I say Linda? Isn't that um Lambert? I don't know. Didn't matter. Continue. Um was was her reaction to that happening is the one that's the most iconic because she just like absolutely flips um and doesn't know it's it's happening. Yeah. Uh right. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, it's still a really exciting scene. And this entire, the only two notes I have from the moment that the face sucker leaves his face uh, to this moment is, he's alive! He's not alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. It's so true, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, our our miniature alien escapes from his chest and is born and skitters across the room and escapes and from mm-hmm. this moment forward the pace just doubles every fucking five minutes yeah and it's just you know you're just like oh no mm-hmm. <laughs> well and the real the the real oh no moment happens when you see like oh this thing grows at an exponentially fast rate like we're not hunting a little like rat we are now hunting a teenager in the period of an hour. Yeah. And you're like, that, that was my first like, oh no, like this is, this is, this is serious. This is legit. You know? Yeah. What you brought up earlier, the sort of like life cycle of this thing is interesting to me. And I think we'll probably get more of it in the next coming movies. But like, I, I, I imagine it has something to do with like, yeah, like who the the queen lays the egg and all of these are all males, you know, or something within the egg. And then the the face huggers inseminate inseminate a host and somehow they you the host, the, the human body is the you know the 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 incubator for the actual I think it's the, the female. I think that's the idea is that all the males are the face huggers and all of the alien quote capital A alien are females. That is, that is my understanding as well. Yeah. 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 Which I love. I love that, that subtextual storyline of, of fucking, strong women like the the female being the strongest and most efficient you know they mention it later like it's the most efficient lethal thing the universe has ever created and it's a female you know and it's ripley is also 
you know, the, like I just I love the strong feminine presence in these movies, even though there are only two women in the cast, you know, excluding the voice of mother, you know, there are only two women in the cast. And 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 yet I when I think of Alien and Aliens in the whole franchise, I think of women. I think of, you know, I think of Winona Ryder. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a choice. That's a choice. <laughs> is, isn't she an alien resurrection? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Or alien. It's the fourth. Where the fourth movie? Yeah. Is. She's, she's not in the third one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I think it's really cool. And I think it's fucking nasty or where we see here. This is when like, again, I, I, I try to like think back to this movie is like, man, how fucking cool would it have been to see it when it first came out? You know, because like I mentioned, I had seen parodies of this movie before I saw this actual movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So to like mm-hmm. experience this, like when I told my mom and dad that we were we were doing Alien this month, both of them shuddered and went, oh, man, that movie scared the shit out of us. Like because they saw it in theaters in the 70s or whatever. Yeah, sure. You know? and 79, they were like, yeah. Yeah, they were like, that was the scary. We had never seen anything like that. We, you know, we never experienced anything like that. And it made me think while watching this movie, like, man, how how cool would it have been to to experience this sort of like genre shaping movie, you know, because, yeah, this is the first time we realize oh my god they use the human body as an incubator you know like oh my god so cool Mm -hmm. all right continue i'm done talking forever (laughs) okay until Uh, i interrupt you again (laughs) ripley blows up the spaceship and (laughs) (laughs) and aliens and escapes um no uh from from this point forward you know like i I was saying like that the pace starts to amplify and this is where we really start to get the first sound cue of this quintessential heartbeat right like Mm. this this underlying heartbeat that you unless you like really start listening hard you don't really notice yeah um, so true which oh, is it's so insidious which is, it's crazy right like yeah. yeah it really is like inception quality um and you know the the our first victim is is harry dean stanton's character uh brett this hmm. is the first movie that uh, i think we've done that has your name in it We've well, done a lot of things with Johns in it, but I, yeah, yeah, that's probably true. I mean, my name my name got popular around this time, and then are you named after Harry Dean Stanton's character in Alien? I am definitely not. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that if you're like. And actually, you know what's crazy is <laughs> my mother loved this movie and loved this one tertiary character so much that <laughs> definitely not, definitely uh, not. Um. No, Brett's character, uh, I you know, at this point in time, we're reintroduced to, to the cat, J- Jones? Something yeah. Like that. Whatever, I, I forget whatever his name is. Uh, and, you know, because they, they set off on their mission. They go three by three. 
this this team with with Harry Dean Stanton and Parker and Ripley find the cat. We get our first, not our first, but like one of the first jump scares mm-hmm. of the movie. The cat where jumps they, out of the locker. Yeah, they remove the panel and it's just like, yeah. uh, and runs off. And then they're like, you know, why did you let him go? And Harry, they're like, you need to go find him. Because this, this, you know, tracker or whatever will now go off again and start tracking the cat again. Right. Which, okay, so he, pause for a second. Sorry. Those, that tracker thing is really a piece of shit. Like, I was, this is one of those, it's like. 1979. It, it, this is one of those, like, I have some questions moments where, you know, you go like, okay, yeah, I'm fine with, like, giant alien species and everything. But this one little minute thing is where I have a problem. Scarrett, you know, Dallas goes, well, wait, show me how it works. And Bilbo fucking waves his hand in front of it and it goes. Wow. And I'm like, so he moves his hand in front of it because it tracks like changes in atmosphere or whatever. Micro pressures. Yeah. Yeah. Micro atmospheres or something. Yeah. Which means that if it tracks any time that he moves his hand, it would it would track all the movement any in the room everywhere. Yes. So like she's using it as like a flashlight or like it looks kind of like a little handheld vacuum. It's like a metal and, detector. Yeah, yeah, like a metal detector. I'm like, you're moving it around, thus creating molecular atmospheric changes, and it's gonna just throw the thing off anyway. I had yep. some real problems with that, Brett. Totally. I mean, there's one point in time where Parker walks in front of it. And IBS. It. Yes, me too. And it doesn't go off. And you're like, <laughs> like no wonder you're kidding you're chasing a fucking cat this thing's a piece of junk yeah it's okay, all the sorry. robots but it's all the robots playing man maybe maybe playing. okay sorry i had to, i had to vent about that continue, continue. it's all right but hds brett goes off on a, a solo mission trying to find this fucking cat <laughs> um and you know he ends up in this kind of what we assume to be one of the like storage rooms for for whatever they're hauling with all these random chains hanging yeah. from the ceiling like is this a torture chamber mm-hmm. um, and it's like raining there's like condensation yes, coming down which is cool exactly uh which he then like has his like you know um, flash dance moment <laughs> not, not even flash dance man fucking shawshank redemption oh yeah shawshank yeah <laughs> which he of course comes 13 years later uh-huh. but um you know, he has his moment and then he sees the cat. It's like, oh, here, kitty, 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 whatever. And, you know, we, we get our first alien drop where we see the tail and the, the, the actual massive um, thing come behind him. And you just go, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. All, all the while, we get this indicator that trains us as a moviegoer. That a person, you know, when we're on a person's perspective where we hear a heartbeat, that person is in trouble. Mm. Um, and this is the first, this is the first like cognizant heartbeat that at least I tracked where we have, it's, it's very low. It's, you know, it's, it's almost subliminal. Um, Cause it's just going. But it's, it's. It's low in pitch, but it's elevated in pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a great choice because that's the only atmospheric scoring that we get there is mm-hmm. just that little percussive. And it, it like you, you just you just fucking know and you're mm-hmm. just waiting and you're just like, oh, God, at least, 
at least for me, who doesn't do jump scares well. Yeah. Um, and doesn't particularly enjoy being titillated by them. Just like waiting for it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, this one isn't even a jump scare. It's a slow reveal where that tail comes down off of the top of the frame over his right shoulder and he senses the presence because the cat is looking at it and he turns around and it's just like yep goodbye fallen soldier (laughs) yeah right and i love i mean and is this is it is this the first time with two we get the like the triple mouth dentata reveal i think so i think so yeah yep and yeah, and we see which the, has like, its own phallic and ionic implications that I don't really want to get into. But okay, then we won't, Brett. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Well, and and okay, so even leading up to this, like I just want to call out. I think it's hilarious. Him, you know, Harry Dean Stanton's funny. He's part of the like you said, Rose Grant's Guildenstern, like kind of the 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 dark gritty comic relief a little bit and so him just being like here kitty meow meow like his meowing is hilarious coming from someone who owns a cat you're not meowing isn't gonna do shit you know uh, and I, uh, I later we get Sigourney Weaver going pss, 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 pss. okay that's gonna do something but I like just Harry Dean just going like meow come here kitty <laughs> He might meow. as well go, meow. <laughs> yeah, it's just really funny. Uh, and then in the director's cut, there's another brief little scene that's inserted here where, you know, you mentioned the chains that are hanging in the background. In one of the shots, you see a balled up alien hanging in the chain. Mm. And it's super quick. It's like, you know, POV of what Brett's looking at. And then, like, back onto Brett's face and over his shoulder, you just see the chains where there's, like, just a little blob on the chains. And then it cuts away back to something else. And you're like, wait a minute, was that the... No, no, I don't think... Maybe it was just probably just Shadow. But it was just such a cool little shot uh, that, you know, most of the scenes in the director's kind of like, fine, I didn't really... You don't really need it. But that one, that's, like, the one scene that I wish probably I should have been in the main one. I also just love, like... You know, before the tail comes down, he picks up the like the the shredded skin, you know, and you're the molted skin or whatever. And you're like, oh, no, it's not that size anymore. It's Mm. it's it's growing. Oh, man, that's not that's really not good, (laughs) you know. Uh, And again, the texture of that, like you can almost just feel it. You know, you're just like, oh, man, it's rubbery exoskeleton or whatever, like nasty, nasty. Um, You know, this whole this whole tracking sequence, just the difference. We mentioned it earlier. Just want to call it out again. The 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 different rooms and the set design and decoration of every different room within this massive ship is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I just really love how we keep checking in with the cat in this, yeah, you know? Uh, and, and I don't know if I've ever seen that in, in anything else where, where we really get, like, the, the cat reaction shot, you know? Because it's the only other, like, character that's in the room. I mean, the, the Jones is, is, is a character in this movie. I mean, he, he plays a, a relatively big role in the movie as far as, you know, his, his presence. And also, you know, just sort of that, like, 
I'll get into that in a second. I just, I really love that you see the, the growl that you mentioned, you know, which they, they produced by putting a pet plexiglass thing up, uh, and then basically sneaking a German shepherd in. So the cat turns around and sees a German shepherd in pet plexiglass and then hisses and growls, which is cool, fine. We see Harry Dean Stanton just get annihilated or whatever, and I think you do get the, like, three different, you know, jaws or whatever coming out. And then as he's getting annihilated, like, destroyed, dismembered, whatever, whatever he's getting happening to him, we don't see it. We just watch the cat watch him, you know? And I really, I love that shot for some reason. I thought that was really a different perspective, a different way of of portraying that scene and and the fact that we just get the reaction shot from the cat going like, oh my God, is is really cool. I don't know if I've ever seen that in anything else. You know, that type of that type of shot. I'm not sure. Um, and because we check back into the into the cat several times within this within this scene, which is really cool. Um yeah. And what I was gonna say earlier was just the 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 I like why why have the cat there? You know what I mean? Like, if you cut the cat out of the movie as a character, from the script, whatever, you don't miss it. You don't need it. But what I think what it adds, so I, it, this is what made me question, is like, so then why? Why do they keep it in? And and I think there's something with the idea of, you know, of course, like the femininity in cats and the feline movement, you know, that that type of cats are generally associated with feminine more than masculine dogs are more associated with like masculine and cats are more associated with feminine generally. Um, so I think there's something maybe there, but I think there's also that, that like watching a cat stalk its prey and the idea of the perfect hunter and, and, you know, a lion, a a cheetah, a tiger and, and watching a tiger in the wild is one of those perfect hunter moments, um, that uses, hiding in small places that uses, you know, sharp claws and ferociousness, but, uh, but is also, you know, again, associated with, with feminine, not associated with masculine. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm right on there. I don't know if I'm even in the ballpark and maybe they're just like, this dude loves cats. And so he wanted to include him in the movie, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, seeing the cat several times made me think about that, especially seeing, Ripley with the cat and how the cat really is really like I could see that that like Ripley might have been the proponent of bringing the cat on board on this journey or found the cat or something like that let's let's take him in you know save all species like you mentioned the utilitarianism or whatever right right yeah I mean that that, I mean it it is perfectly in line with her character it's why she goes to such an extraordinary effort to save the fucking cat yeah right um when it (laughs) When I'm just like, I love animals, but at the end of the day, it it's a fucking cat. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Especially in the grand scheme of things with like alien. Right. I got I gotta go. You know, survival right. of the human race, you know. Ship is blowing up. Can't stop it. Mm-mm. Maybe not the top of the priority list. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, 
But yeah, this alien that that murders the murders Brit is massive, and we're just like, oh no, this mm-hmm. is a lot worse than I had really expected at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know there you know there's this whole conversation of like whether or not he could possibly still be alive, and um, you know, but but Ripley and and Dallas get in this argument in the corridor, right? Where she's she's proposing a variety of things and just is getting shot down at every turn. And this is where that oh dear line comes in. Mm-hmm. Um and it just is like it's so fucking dismissive. Mm-hmm. Uh and then fucking Dallas goes and plays with his goddamn magic eight ball. Uh <laughs> just like yep. am I going to survive? How do I beat the thing? Yeah. How do I win? Mm-hmm. Uh, to mother. And I just like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's fascinating to me that like the real person in the room with real ideas about how to, how to fix their situation doesn't matter, but he's going to go listen to the fucking computer and algorithm mm-hmm. uh, as to how to, to, to render his situation. Yeah. Right. Um, yep. I, I, I agree completely. From this point forward, we get, we get, we, you know, we get our meeting where they discuss about how they're going to get this alien, right? Yep. We're two crew members down at this point. There's five people left. Uh, And Dallas, Tom Skerritt's character is like, we're going to, you know, how do, how do we trap them? Ash is, is like most animals run from flame. They're like, great. We have a flamethrower. I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, they say, can you go build five th- flamethrowers? And he's like, give me 10 minutes. And they're like, all right, cool. <laughs> and so this is this, at least for me, this is the sequence where, where Dallas starts working his way through the vents mm-hmm. because they know that they've pulled Brett into the, the cooling vents. Yes. Um, and you know, like, just sidebar in general in a spaceship humans need oxygen to live there has to be an oxygen oxygen supply i feel like if you're going to war with an alien a flamethrower in an oxygen rich environment maybe is not the brightest idea Like, I feel like there's a high risk there where like, oh, I accidentally, you know, knocked this oxygen tank ajar. Now the entire fucking spaceship is in fire. Uh, <laughs> um, I feel like that's a heavy risk here with our, our open flame flamethrowers. Okay. I, I got past it eventually. That's good. <laughs> I had I had more problem with like you're gonna take a flamethrower into a vent that's four feet tall and four feet wide. Yeah, you're going to you're going to trip and you're going to light yourself on fire. (laughs) You know, like that was my issue with it. So, yeah, but I do love I do love the way that the tension ratchets in this scene with with Lambert on the the little like HUD thing. That's just like it's getting closer. It's getting closer. You have to move. It's getting closer. It should be right. You know, it should be right there. It should be right there. Now it's moving towards you. It's moving towards you. Have to go. You 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 have to move. You have to run. Um, now it's gone. I don't see it. Where'd it go? And then you're like, 
Fuck, I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah right where you, yeah, that's right. It should be right where you are. It's gone. I don't see it anymore. Yeah. Now it's moving towards you. You have to move. And then he climbs down the ladder and turns his his light or or flame and whatever. And that's the one jump scare that still got me this time. Yeah, got one. Uh that still got me this time was was this one where Tom Skerritt reveals alien and Listen, Alien just wants a hug here. Just crying out for some affection. Yeah, it just wants right. to be loved. <laughs> yep. I was I was disappointed to lose Tom Skerritt at this point, though. I was surprised uh, this time through that how how fast how early he dies. You know? Yeah. I th- I kind of figured he would be he would have lasted longer. I don't remember him dying that early. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I th- honestly, Tom Skerritt is great in this movie, and like because his character for me is so unlikable, I'm like, all right, good. Like, let's get it back into Ripley's hands now. She at least knows what she's fucking doing, and has like, you know, yeah. um, I think his sort of like blase, like, well, I don't know, we're just gonna go out and do this thing. I mean, I guess that's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna go do this. Kind of grated on me a little bit this time sure. through. Um. So while like I enjoy him as an actor and I enjoy his his portrayal of Dallas, I was like, yeah, it's about I'm 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 glad that we can now like get Sigourney Reaver back in the captain's chair here because then this next scene is that scene we were mentioning earlier of like the one moment where she does yell, you know, where she's sure. sitting there and you know giving uh, orders. Yeah, and Lambert is crying and sobbing and like we gotta just like leave and she's like we gotta just get in the escape ship the the shuttle we'll just risk it in the shuttle the shuttle can't hold four yeah right dumb bitch yeah basically and they're all they're all like no we're not gonna do this and all and she goes hey this is what we're gonna do and everyone goes okay and it's i am the captain now yeah i am the captain now <laughs> and it, but it really is a great scene. Like this is another one where Sigourney Weaver really, you're like, oh shit, hell yes, let's go. I mean, she just, she's calm, she's cool, she's collected all the way through this, and then, and, and then she asserts the authority and just owns the space, owns the room, owns the screen. I mean, it's just like, no wonder she this like makes her career take off from here. I mean. Her, totally. she's fantastic in this and yeah um and then she immediately moves into you know she assumes the captaincy of the ship and moves in and and finds her way into the room with with the mother computer right yeah she basically uh, says i don't need any of this shit i can get real answers now yeah. fucking finally yeah right we i don't have to fucking dance around you know we don't we don't have to beat around the bush here I'm right. just going to go figure out what the fuck is happening. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, and, you know, I love her interaction with mother and the reveal that this is all fo- explicitly for this, you know, recon mission to um, not even re- recon, but rather a. Like an extraction mission. Right. Uh, for this alien life form. And particularly the shot that I love and I, I think is probably relatively well regarded is, you know, we we get uh, a front facing shot of Sigourney Weaver. We get the shot of the camera that that, you know, she's she essentially says, like, 
explain, you know, Private Order 907 or whatever it is. And then Mother explains it on the screen. And then as we cut back, Ian Holmes' face is right in front of hers. Like, just over her left shoulder. And it's just like, huh! Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, what a fucking creep. Yeah. Um, Because the computer just said crew expendable. Yeah. And then, and you're, and so you're processing like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And then that shot comes and you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and because even before that, the computer says this is only for the, the science, whatever he's called, the science officer. Yeah. Uh, only for the science officers, and then she puts in the override code or whatever it is. Um, and that's, you know, Danny and Holmes shows up, and you're like, oh, no, I was right. I was right. <laughs> this motherfucker is evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get this really interesting, like, 360-degree shot, handheld shot, you know, that just goes around Ash. You know, in this moment. And you're like, whoa, this is really cool. And it just, I mean, this whole, like, I can't do that, Dave. Like, element is, and that room and the lighting and all of this was like, I was was like, this, I feel like I'm watching 2001 A Space Odyssey in this scene. You know, when she's sitting there at the computer, like, do this order. And the computer's like, no. And then, you know. Yeah, right. I don't know how, but whatever Uh, his name is. Yeah, and then we then we migrate into the like kind of main the main chamber area and Ash starts sweating milk and it's yeah. just like oh something is really off. <laughs> yeah. And I love that reveal too where you're just like it's not like a huge robot reveal right away. You're just like what's that white shit on his head? What's that is that a mil- what what you know, and then it like cuts away. And, you're like, and, you, and then like, cause all, all of the thoughts are like, wait, is he, is he infected? Is yeah, he right. like, like, does he have a host inside him? Like, is this another iteration? Like what did, what didn't we see that has affected this? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and then it's just like, oh, right. He beats the shit out of her, tries to choke her to death. And it turns out he's a robot. yo and that like the way that he tries to kill ripley is really really fucked up like oh yeah he grabs the magazine and slowly just goes and like rolls it up and like uses his like android robot strength or whatever which doesn't really play but it's all right I, i excuse that and then just like shoves the fucking magazine in her mouth which is again similar to this whole like penetration rape the salt imagery and it and dominance and it's really it's really fucked up the idea that like he's trying to force this rolled up magazine down her throat yeah yeah i i mean i'm just reliving the 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 scene it's like it's really disturbing it's one of the more disturbing scenes in a very disturbing movie (laughs) already Totally, you know um yeah and you know and then i agree with you here that you mentioned earlier that some of this like i'm a robot acting is a little much um you know that and that's 
But I think overall, I, I excuse that kind of like I'm glitching out moment. I, I My kind of question is like, what causes him to sweat milk and then glitch out to begin with? Like everything was going fine. What caused him to flip? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think it's it's probably the the AI's recogn you know rec recognizing of that there's a you know one of the humans on the ship understanding what's happening. So that's yeah, so that's the key there. So he is fighting against this like pre programming of I'm not supposed to kill these people, but I have to because I've gotten a an override. Right, like, because his secondary objective is to help the humans. Right. But his right. primary objective is to preserve the alien life form. Right. And because the humans now pose a risk to the alien life form, yeah. he then has to then execute the the humans. Yeah, right, right. That's what I was trying to say, but you said it better. <laughs> I love the... um. So so here here you know they destroy the robot they you know hack his head off or whatever um yeah that Koto does Parker and which is great and all that is great um again they use more you know sheep guts and butcher guts to create the inside of of the android which is again fantastic practical effects in this movie um and I was really curious how this was going to hold up because I remember this coming where it was like the the head is going to be talking and the body's over there or whatever. I thought it held up really well. I think the makeup, the the smoothing over of the of the Ian Holm real head into the like prosthetic neck uh, was great. I think you know he kept his head at the the correct angle as to where the head, the robot head was on the deck of the ship and everything, so it didn't look like he was like, you know, um, you know, like walk hard when they, you know, <laughs> you halved me. um but the whole that whole like coughing up you know the the milky stuff was really great and uh and and this is great where we get this like you know tell me the goddamn truth and and the company wanted the organism for military purposes and this is where i was talking about where you're like plot crew coming home they get a distress signal pick up an alien try to escape that's the plot of the movie. But all of this little shit, you're like, oh, no, there's a big company that owns this other company that these people didn't know that this guy was a robot that sent the robot here just in case this happened. So then this, you know, like it just keeps Yeah, he was deepening. replaced a day before the mission or whatever. Yeah. yeah, right, right. And now you realize, oh, this company is trying to get military stuff to this and this and this and uh you know, but this great this great line where Ian Holm kind of like gives the final fuck you to the crew where he's like, it's the perfect organism. You know, yeah. I, he says something like, I admire its purity, which is right. just this whole closing speech that he gives this like death speech is so creepy and so good. And so like he as a robot and an android and non-human identifies with, you know that the the no delusions of morality it's like this is it's a black and white thing you do this you do i don't understand your fucking this and that that you guys have to go through uh is so cool you know and so just like meaty and like oh you know i love it i love this whole thing and and it's where you really realize oh shit these guys really are fucked there's no way 
to destroy this thing. Like he, cause he even says, he says something like, you know, I can't, I can't lie to you about your safety. It's against my programming. You have my sympathies. Yeah. Right. And you're like, Oh, fuck. you guys are fucked. You're fucked, man. Yeah. And then Sigourney Weaver goes, yeah, we fucked. We're going to blow up the ship. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's, we got one less life form. Let's blow up the ship. We're going to hit the big red let's, button. Uh, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> we're fucked. Uh, we're going to go back to your plan. Blow up the whole goddamn ship. <laughs> it's so great. You know, where she's just like, you know, great. Well, this has been fun. We're going to blow it up. Uh, totally. Awesome. Yeah, and and Fucking you know she man. she sends she sends Lambert and Parker on their way, um, to do whatever they're doing, um. But I I you know even before we get to the scene where they are removing those cylinders, we get we get our ever so slight, you know, because I I didn't mention it with with Tom with with Dallas. Dallas is seen in the vents again with Dallas is seen in the vents. We got that subliminal heartbeat where it's just, right. it's a little bit above average, right? Where it's going. And now after Ripley goes her own way, every time we cut to Ripley, there's just a low, almost inaudible heartbeat where it's just going. Every time she's on screen, I really didn't pick um, up on this whole heartbeat thing. That's so cool. Dude, now that you're saying that, I'm like, oh, when yeah, you I go back, it. you will like it's so evident. That's so cool. It, and like it's it, it only exists in a space where there is no other sound. Yeah, right. Um, well, that's not entirely true, but. Yeah, aided uh, by certain scoring or whatever, but it's very present. It's it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like in the in the ending scene where she tries to eject the alien from the the escape ship, there's there's heartbeat interlaid with a lot of a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but here, you know, Ripley's on her own. She's finding the cat. Yada yada yada. Uh, but we get that that underlying heartbeat thing again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're just and what we've been trained to think so far is that that heartbeat indicates the person that's going to die mm-hmm. um, or be subjected to the alien's torture or whatever. But instead, Ridley Scott pulls a little, you know, pulls the wool over our eyes a little bit. Well, Kansas City shuffle. Yeah, in that, you know, in that Lambert and Parker go into this chamber and they're the ones that get attacked mm-hmm. as they're trying to remove these cylinders. Um, and listening, you know, the, the interspersed cuts of Ripley making her way through this ship while those two are dealing with the, the, the cylinders and then get attacked by the alien is remarkable because, like, you know, we, we get it, it's, it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for, for a, a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. And every time we cut back to Ripley, it's the heartbeat. And then we cut back to the duo, and they're panicking, but it's no heartbeat. Mm. And it's silent. And then we cut back to Ripley, heartbeat. Cut back to the duo, 
no heartbeat. Cut back to Ripley, heartbeat. Cut back to the duo, no heartbeat. And they're pulling those cylinders out. And then we see Veronica see the creature. Mm-hmm. And then we see Parker see, you know, the creature, the xenomorph, the alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the alien attacks, we cut to Ripley and she hears it. She hears the torture that's happening to these people and immediately panics and starts sprinting down the hall. And from this point forward, the pace just amplifies over and over and over and over and over again. And all of the flashing lights and suddenly there's like no electricity in the entire ship. Yeah, right. (laughs) And everything's dark. Yeah. And when she's running, there's this awesome like shaky cam POV shot of her running and you're like, Cause I only bring that up cause like that heartbeat serves on a subliminal level to like get you going. And then like, as she starts running that POV, then you're also like, now you're, you're like, feel like you're running with her. You're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Gotta get there. Maybe you can like continue, continue. Yeah. I'm in. No, no, I'm no, excited. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That's like, <laughs> I'm reliving that's, it whole thing. I'm like, let's go. That's, that's the essence of it. Right. Like we, we understand that both Parker and and Lambert die and at the hands of the alien and Ripley is coming to save her or save them or try to save them or try to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, she's been off fucking around with a goddamn cat. Uh, she's been trying to like get the like thing ready to like explode. Right. But she gets distracted by a fucking cat. Yeah. By the cat. Um, yep. Which I'm sure has some sort of like, philosophical or allegorical importance that I'm just not smart enough, smart enough to understand. Um, it's okay, Brett. You'll get there one day. I try, man. You'll join us one day. You know, that's my goal. <laughs> but yeah, so Ripley is, Ripley is tracking this. We, we see the murders happen. We see this, this dentata come out of the alien and take away Parker and, and we're not entirely sure the way that Lambert dies, though it feels violative in some some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Ripley starts to round the corner and stops. She has her flamethrower. She has, and she's just like sitting there, back against the wall, right? And she starts to peek, and she sees the alien face. Mm. Um, and then we get like the greatest. What I what I wrote was Shelley Duvall imitation, mm. uh, but it's before The Shining, Shining was even yeah. filmed, um, and it's just this incredible, like quintessential horror face. Yeah, where she is just slack jawed, wide eyed, sweating, and pale faced, breathing, and just, just like. Yeah, it is. I have goosebumps. It is, yeah. and the, the the like the emergency light is still flashing, mm-hmm. and it, it's just man, it is such a cool, cool fucking shot. Yeah, scene. yeah. And her like, her her making that decision, breathing heavily. Of do I try to attack this thing or do I run? Right. And the, that that moment that Ridley Scott allows that scene to breathe, where she's like, "I know I have friends. They may have just died. They might be alive. What do I do?" 
Mm-hmm. And like that scene where she's just sitting there with the fucking flamethrower. Mm-hmm. And breathing, the cat. <laughs> and the cat. And his like cat carrier. Breathing yeah. against that wall and then making the decision to to fucking leave. Yeah. Blow the ship up. Right. Make the utilitarian decision. What is best for society? Yeah, no, it's great. And I feel like, you know, from here, basically from here on out, from that like POV shot of her running, the the majority of the rest of this movie is like handheld gorilla style now that she's alone, you know, which I like that change in shooting style, you know, totally. especially and from like- the beginning where it was, like you said, that smooth through line or whatever to now we are in a different yeah, it's entire, Ship, different entirely place. chaos. Yeah, yep. yeah, chaos. Exactly. And, and like you know, not to get again, not to 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 go too far in the academic, but like this is this is the point where where it really starts feeling like a Vietnam film, right? Like mm. where where you you are, you know, where where in the perspective of this this soldier or this you know, whatever that is fighting an unknown power. They don't know what they're against. It's, yeah. it's, it's for a all, government that doesn't, or a company that doesn't, you know, precisely. It's all a mystery, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so to consider it like this, this allegory of, of, of Vietnam is, is yet another reading on this yeah. movie. I was very surprised at how this movie stuck with me for days after I watched it. You know, this there's just so much stuff that you're like, man, that that part, that man, oh Jesus, that, oh God, that you know, there was just so much that was just stirring in my head. Um, so to to kind of bring this movie to an end here, I I really like the uh, you know the the I, I have the damn this self destruct thing is complicated. Um, I like how she has to like do the thing and then pull this one up and then that thing opens and you got to flip that switch flip and then close the thing again yeah. and then flip the thing and then push it back down and then do this again. And I, I, I love, you know, it's one of my favorite things about sci-fi is the creativity of like, so what would a self-destruct mechanism of this type of ship really look like? like you know, what, what, what is, how, how does it work? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I love the specificity that both Sigourney Weaver brings and also the director and the creative team bring to like, okay, I got to push these five buttons, which is going to open up this thing. It's going to pull this thing open. But if I push, pull too hard, it's going to go too fast. So then I'm going to do this and twist this thing. Love that. Um, and then we get this. Um, I'm not sure what element of this scene is only director's cut, but I know a portion of it is. So forgive me for those of you uh, for overlay. I'm not sure where it starts or ends, but there is a great shot. She then like after the, she sets the self-destruct mechanism. She goes, um, you know, whatever, somewhere she, and there's this really awesome shot of her. It's from below and she's climbing down a ladder and there's, you know, orange light above her, which is it's just like a really well put together shot. And she climbs down the ladder and she's in this room and she's only lit by the flamethrower that she's holding. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. And then I think this is the part that is uh, in the director's cut. She turns around and sees Tom Skerritt and sees Harry Dean Stanton. And they're in like webbed things in a corner. And... And she's mortified. Yeah. And she turns and sees Dallas and he just like utters kill. 
me. And you realize, oh shit, they were still alive. The alien kept them so that the alien could then utilize them for and impregnation so, yeah, for and host, host. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Talk about like, a, like, it's like, messed you, like, up, man. like fucking, um, 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 uh, Ash said, like, good luck. Like, I pity you, whatever. Like, this is the most efficient, like, I'm not going to just kill you because that would be wasteful. I'm not going to just, just like, this is perfectly good host. I'm going to put you over here. I'm going to keep you alive in this webbing bullshit, whatever, until I need you to inseminate or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah. So she then, like, uses her flamethrower to uh, burn burn them up, um, which I think that seems really cool. Uh, and it's just like, ugh, and I, I, I kind of wish that was kept in there because I think that was a, a cool scene. So I can see why that one was was restored. Totally. Um, and then we get like this self destruct voice, Helen Horton, voice of mother. The the ship will destruct in ten second or whatever, like ten minutes. This and that. But the the way that it sounds, it all I could hear was airplane, the movie <laughs> airplane. That's like that whole thing. Every time she spoke, it was like, the white zone is for loading and unloading only. No, the yeah. red zone is for it's loading for and unloading. <laughs> <laughs> well, you cheated on me with the other kid. You know, like, <laughs> and all, that's all I could think of was the voice in Airplane, and I would be shocked if it wasn't the same person. It huh. might be. It might yeah, be. maybe. It might also just be like 70s, early 80s, like voiceover ADR sounding with the echo, you know, through the ship, but totally, it was difficult for me to feel the ratchet of the like 10, nine, eight countdown, whatever, because I was just like, it just sounds like the voice from the, the voice of the <laughs> airport in airplane. <laughs> so sorry, but it was great. Um, and I think this, you know, note I have here about, you know, there's, there's the, sh- there's just one shot with strobes going everywhere on Sigourney Weaver. It might be that mo- that shot that you were talking about um, of her deciding, but I think it's after everyone it else is. has died. It's after. It, I yeah. fucking love that shot, that strobe shot. And again, that 4K HDR, that thing popped like a motherfucker. I'll tell you what, yeah. like I was sitting there like, I mean, it it was so fucking intense. It was so intense. Man. Uh, and then right after that, she has a, another fantastic shot where she's like climbing through the ship and you just see the fingers. Yep. And she like pulls, pulls herself up. 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 Yeah. yeah. And, and like the texture of like the sweat and the grime and everything of just the fingers. You're like, Jesus, this woman's been through it. And then you see like, then like there's, there's a whole story just in her fingers and then she pulls herself up and, and her face uh, in the like flashing and the red and orange and all these light. I mean, it is a, it is right. Cause gorgeous. she's trying, she's trying to disable this. Yeah. The, at this the, point. Yeah. The, the, the explosion. Yeah. Right. right. Like, yeah. because she knows the, you know, like it's not a viable escape route for her. So um, for, at the risk of making this an 18 hour podcast, there, I did have a question about like, she's so gung ho about like, I gotta blow up the ship. We're gonna blow up the ship. This is gonna be the thing. And then 
Then she's the only one left, so she didn't even have anyone to save outside the cat. But what, what's the spark that makes her go, fuck, I got to disable this? Why does she go to disable it? She's the only I, one left. At this point, yeah, fuck it. Like, I, I think it has to do with the fact that she feels like she can't, the, the way that the, where, where she saw the alien means that she can't escape or something like that. So she's, she's in the root of, in the process of saving herself. Um, so it goes to her saving herself rather than like all of humanity or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. That was the I'm, one thing that I'm, I missed in this movie. I'm, I was confused. Yeah. I'd be curious and to I, next time I go back. That's going to be my yeah, biggest question when I same. go back. And I'm like, I'm drunk enough and tired enough now that I'm like, I'm not really even sure what the order of events is. <laughs> I'm not, not even sure I watched the right movie. <laughs> we watched but Predator, right? Was there a bunch uh, of Martians that came and attacked and then they said, it's not unusual at the end of the movie, uh, Tim Burton there, directed? There, there was a a toy cowboy and an <laughs> astronaut. And a pig and a dinosaur. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad it's not me. I mean, like I said, this, this whole, this whole sequence is so fucking good. Um, yeah. And, and like you mentioned earlier, it's, like, a, it's, it's all pacing, pacing, pacing. Yeah. There. And it's the payoff of this, like, slow burn and the pace slowly gets faster and faster and the compression slowly gets more and more and more till you get to this sequence and you're like yep. uh, 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 everything and then you know I love that the countdown of the 20 seconds where she's trying to disable it is actually 20 seconds I mean you right. just hear 20 19 18 and it's not like 20 19 cut to something else five seven four six, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> right and, and again because of that pacing and that like press of like oh fuck oh no oh no oh no oh no oh no it's getting more and more we can see it happening and and that's really great and, you're like you're so close you're so close yeah right but you're uh, still too late yeah so you know she then is able to like get into the escape pod or whatever it blows up and then she just goes i got you motherfucker or whatever she says and it's just like you son yeah, of a bitch you son of a bitch i got you you son of a bitch which the irony of course is that it's a woman mm-hmm. radically yeah uh, um but it's just so it's and and you and we can finally breathe you're like <sighs> because then it's just silence the whole escape pod scene is she's like she's got the cat there she's like everything's good she escaped and there's no scoring. And this is that moment I was talking about where this was all scored that they pulled out. Ridley Scott mm. pulled out all of this like last yeah. 15 minutes of scoring. Um, I'm, and I'm, I, I'm glad about that. I, I think, think so too. I mean, there's, there's that, like we mentioned, the atmospheric and aural landscape of this movie so much makes the movie yeah. that after this intense scene where there's so much happening with sound and heartbeat and, and explosions and people running and fire and flashing lights and buttons and all this shit that yeah. we just get. And it goes back to that like silence and void of space. Like right. you, you, you've always been alone. You're still alone. Now you're really alone. And you have like. <laughs> For like 10 months. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. And now you have like a year until you get back to, you know, Earth, Earth area. 
and it will and that's not even true because like the entire conceit of taking this spaceship is like we're gonna take the risk and hopefully somebody finds us right right <laughs> yeah because this escape pod or whatever can't be like interstellar travel though they do have the like sleep pods in it uh, yeah, but I, I think, I, I don't know, at least the way I read it. And again, I don't remember aliens very well, but like. Good thing we're doing it next week. I know, watch right? Um, I have to watch it in a few days. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the idea is, at least that's it, conveyed in this movie, is that they're, this is, this is truly a last resort and they're taking mm-hmm. a risk to. Um, uh, you know, we're gonna. I'm gonna take this escape ship, and this is a last resort. And right. hopefully, it works out. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, yep. our you know somebody hears our ping or whatever. Hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. So, how did I, again? I don't always love commenting on on this type of thing, but I think it's an interesting in the modern lens. Sigourney Weaver, you know, strips down to her skivvies, as it were, to get ready for her sleep pod. And there's there's a lot of there's a lot of butt crack. And I'm wondering, do you do you did you experience that as, you know, a way to make it sexy and and some kind of skin or that it's just like, I don't fucking care. This is I just went through this the shit. Because to me, like, if my underwear is halfway off my ass, I notice it and pull it up. Sure. Yeah, I, I uh, for my money, I, it's, it's over-sexualized. Um, because the alternative, right, is, is, sure, she's getting ready for sleep, her sleep pod, but she's also in practical underwear. Right. Um, right. That's what I felt as a, as as opposed to whatever she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it's it. You know, of course, it does show like the the idea behind the scene is that it it shows a bit of comfort. It shows, um, you know, I'm finally obvi- safe. Obviously, dressing her in all white is mm, is also sure. like this this idea of, you know, this is the pure choice. This is the right choice. This is the way forward. Um, you know, as an exemplar. Uh, but yeah, you no, know, it's clearly sexualized. It's intentionally so, mm-hmm. uh, and that's unfortunate, especially yeah. as given that that Ripley has so much power and and is such a strong female presence in the movie um so yeah it it, it kind yeah. of it kind of it kind of undermines the 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 empowerment that we feel through from ripley through the whole thing to have her in this this skimpy pair of panties right yeah and the only reason i bring this up because again i don't you know and you know want to like make a huge deal of this type of uh, this type of thing in, in representation of movies is just that it did like stick out to me where it was just like whoa this doesn't feel like it fits matches the rest of the movie now to be to be fair to the characters and storyline originally there were scenes cut of of sort of random sexual encounters between the cat the crewmates um 
as a storytelling mechanism to say, again, in that gritty, you know, like realism, like humans have needs or get horny and there is a non, there's no commitment. There's no connection. It's just like you, you great. Let's satisfy our needs and carnal. Yeah. Carnal. Fine. Um, and so there might be an argument that there is a holdover from a scene that was cut at some point for that. Um, the only reason I bring that up is because that does appear later in our trilogy month, that type of representation of crewmates um, that was cut from this movie, but then later restored to others. Um, not restored, but used or, or explored in others. Uh, okay, we got to move past that because then we have the reveal that the alien is still on the fucking ship. They, it realized it. it. It is smart. It's an efficient killing machine. And it knew what, what Ripley was doing. It knew what the whole crew was doing. Yep. So not only is this just a mindless hunter, this isn't just a great white shark, no. you know, or whatever, a dinosaur, you know, this is a velociraptor. No, this is it, a... It, it's adaptive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it understands what, you know, different strategies, and that's a whole nother, like, level of oh-shitness to this creature that you're like, oh, that giant head is filled with a giant brain, not just skull or whatever. You know, right. like, oh, fuck, it knew. But what's interesting is that Ripley then, like, sees it, and it's a great reveal of the creature on the ship. But the creature seems to be in some sort of, like, hibernation or something, because it doesn't just instantly attack her like it attacks everyone else. Right. She sees it. And that's what that's another that was another like kind of question that I had of like did I miss something like why isn't it just being like and attacking the attacking Ripley, um, but for what whatever reason did well first off did you see a did I miss something did you see anything that I'm missing? Not not in terms of seeing anything. I guess I've always interpreted that as is that there's there is some sort of connection between these two beings. Mm. Yeah, my first thought was as well was Alien knows that if it hibernates, then it will have a whole world, a whole earth to rule and right. impregnate, maybe, or whatever, wherever she's going will be more fruitful, maybe as well. Um, but it's just this this really like again, like they they just like turn it up to eleven in the, the tension from zero, you know, where you're like fuck and because then all of a sudden it's still quiet and you just hear like <sighs> and then and then just the like zipping up of the suit you know that ripley's yeah. getting into the suit and you're like and like and fucking like <laughs> it's so true you know and it's just the sound effects is just the foley and and you get the brilliance of ripley where she like sprays the alien with you know some kind of gas and then you know <laughs> and then like opens the airlock but it knows the aliens connected and so you right. know she she then like can then hit the go button you know and burn the fucking thing alive and you're like fucking badass let's go ripley like it's so understandable after this movie why ripley is a legend and a hero and you know 
Um, why Sigourney Reaver shows up again in Galaxy Quest and, you know, and every other and, and honestly in Avatar as well, where you're like, yeah, this is, you know, <laughs> this, yeah. all this 50 year career. Like you want Ripley everywhere. I want Ripley in every movie I can get my hands on. She's such a great character. 100 percent. And then there's this really and forgive me if I'm cutting you off, if you wanted to say anything about this, but I'm good, man. The just the that ending shot is, you know, now we're finally at peace and now we can sleep knowing that no one's watching, you know, that idea or whatever. Like, I can sleep peacefully, but, you know, she looks... That ending shot is so fascinating and you can dissect that for fucking hours because you're like, she kind of... The way that it's lit and framed, she kind of looks like she's in the womb a little bit, you know, like... And, uh, man, and the, it's, and, and it's very peaceful. And, and if there were no other alien movies after this, one would be content with it. You know what I mean? Like I would be content as this, totally. being, there's a one-off this is it. And also, is there more? I kind of feel like there's right. more, you know? <laughs> Right, there's so. this sneaking suspicion of like, we're not done. Yeah, right, right. And I just, I think that ending is so great. Yeah. You know, it's just you this, feel you feel way too comfortable. Yeah, I've not felt this comfortable, and I don't like how comfortable I feel. Yeah, I've never felt this comfortable in the movie, except the last time when it was dead silent, and you know she's getting ready to go to sleep, and that clearly was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'll tell you what, I so thoroughly enjoyed rewatching this movie. I, I did too. I had a blast. Yeah, that was my question. I mean, you know, we were building, I was building it up a little bit of like, oh, we're doing a scary movie, but I didn't find this movie all that scary. I mean, it was psychologically thrilling, but I didn't yeah. find this one as like. Oh. Yeah, no, there, there was only even, I mean, even the one jump scare that did get me wasn't terrifying in any, right. any way. Um, no, I, I really, I really love this movie. I, I, and it, yeah, it, it, it holds up. And, and again, like you and I are the biggest proponents of like practical effects and things like that. And, um, you know, keeping this out of the realm of CGI, which as I imagine will be, I, I suspect will be an issue in Prometheus, um, is, is great. It works. Mm-hmm. It works really well. Yeah. No. I. I think. I think this movie is great, and it, it clearly is uh, a headstone and, and 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 you know a, a sea change in the way that you know an entire genre shifted. There have been a mm-hmm. thousand imitators um, since this movie came out. So Judy Dench for for you for for Alien. For me, this is this is Ridley Scott. It is mm. it is an entire vision. You know, we we've talked about the soundscape, we've talked about the scoring. Um, even though the acting would seems to be tertiary to him in this, I I still think it's intentional in mm. the way that like you know that I mentioned about how it being blue collar adventure and that these are just un, quite literally unremarkable humans that are just doing jobs mm-hmm. that get put into an extraordinary situation. Um, and then, you know, uh, of course the, the, the cinematography and the shots and, 
and the 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 actual composition of this movie is is masterful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I you know, I'd be remiss to say, you know, that that the person who played Alien, they originally wanted it to the studio wanted it the no, I think Ridley Scott wanted it to be animatronic and they were like we don't have the technology to make this look real and someone was at a bar and there was someone who was 7 foot tall and lanky as shit and they were like what do you do and he said i'm a graphic designer and they said what if we pay you money to put on an alien suit and be an alien and he was like all right i am down yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you know again forgive me for the name but uh the pronunciation bolaji bodejo uh who's a someone from eastern european descent i believe uh played alien he didn't do anything else after this but you know ridley scott was very creative in shooting the alien uh, creature to make sure that it didn't feel like a dude in an alien suit. Uh, And honestly, the person, Peter Mayhew, who plays Chewbacca, was approached to play alien, and they were like, we don't want it to look like a dude in a giant suit like Chewbacca does. Uh, Also, Harrison Ford was approached to play the Dallas role, uh surprise like i don't want to do this ever ever again and then he made eight other star wars movies and indiana jones and blade runner sure. uh for me i'm gonna go to the production design team for my judy dench award you know because totes uh in in this you know that, that includes ridley scott it includes a bunch of people who i well he's a he's know. a designer by trade he went to art school oh really i didn't know that yeah, yeah. It makes sense because, you know, this movie won an Oscar for Best Visual Effects, I believe. Um, And the visual effects hold the fuck up, which is crazy. The soundscape, the lighting is unreal. It's so, you know, watching it in nowadays with with the 4K HDR and on a giant-ass TV, so much doesn't doesn't hold up. And it looks fake, and it brings me out of it because it's so, it doesn't, doesn't look right. And this movie did not do that at all. And I was like, that psychological element was so, it stuck with me. Like I said, it fucking stuck with me. So, you know, I'll start with when do you watch this? Because again, this was one of those like, oh my God, how, how, how is this not a normal rotation movie for me? Because I know I fucking love this movie. This it's is a great, so great. It's a great movie. Yeah, this is. I I think this is the movie you watch when somebody wants to watch a scary movie and you're like me. It was like, I don't really like scary movies, but this like it it, it hits all of those moments that people that like scary movies like. Mm-hmm. But for people like me that don't love scary movies and don't love jump scares, there's enough here that you can get past. And then the jump scares also aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. So this is a great bridge between those. Yeah, I think that's a great point, man. Like, I think this is a great date night movie, like where you're like, ooh, let's cuddle up and watch a scary movie. But it's not like scary enough where we're going to be like fucked for life. You know, like I'm still trying to figure out, you know, who else, you know, are you that scared whatever. I think this is also a movie, though, that you make sure when you watch it, you watch it people who aren't with with people who aren't talkers through it because of the atmospheric and and totally soundscape of it if you're watching with someone who's like oh this and this and this and oh this and, then this movie's gonna what's, be horrible what's happening yeah yeah so when you watch this movie watch it with someone or 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 make a blanket statement at the beginning like no fucking talking turn off your cell phones 
we're going to watch a movie tonight. We're going to have like an old-fashioned movie night when, God forbid, we don't have to look on our fucking Facebook or email, uh, you know, to check anything anymore uh, and talk about like, I don't understand it. It's not straightforward. I hate it. Okay. So next week we go to Aliens, which is, you know, Terminator in space. Uh, that's how I describe aliens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if this is it's James Cameron in space, yeah. Yeah, it's James Cameron, Terminator in space. It's much more, for me, at least in my memory, it's much more action-packed. It's much more of an action sci-fi. It's much more like a Starship Troopers than it is, you know, psychological horror. Um, so, but again, exciting to see a young James Cameron uh, directing directing a, a yeah, early one of in his, his career one of, one of his first yeah yeah so that's next week uh of course you can follow us on facebook and instagram at movies in the buff twitter at buff movies email movies in the buff at gmail.com please rate review subscribe give some give some fellow love to our sister and brother podcasts uh and uh and you know of course we, we enjoy hearing from from all of you and hope you enjoy these movies and these episodes all right i'm gonna go first Great. Hey. If there's anything we've learned. So I'm actually going to do a first for Movies in the Buff. I'm going to use the tagline for the movie. All right. Is it a first? I don't know. It's the first in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first in my memory. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the first in my memory, which lasts about three months. <laughs> in baby town, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> <laughs> creepy but good good uh, it should be creepy <laughs> all right bring us I've home bolton i've been i've been waiting for this i know you've been line. sitting on it i know final report the commercial starship no stromo third officer reporting the other members of the crew kane lambert parker brett ash and captain dallas are dead Cargo and ship destroyed. I should reach the frontier within six weeks. With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley. Last survivor of Baby Town. <laughs> Signing off. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm crying. <laughs> I have good headphones on, so if you could refrain. There's uh, nothing. <laughs> okay, back to Alien. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so if that was a hard cut, that's because an hour of podcast was just cut out of that episode. <laughs> we talked about The Who and karaoke and Celine, Celine Dion. <laughs> And Power Rangers and Batman. <laughs> I did a full Snyder cut, like <laughs> scene by scene Brett, analysis. Brett read the entire first act of Henry Four Part One for some reason, <laughs> and then he went to the Cimmerillion and just started like reading <laughs> passages from that. Uh,
<laughs> Ian McKellen called in for a minute. <laughs> oh, dude.